Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, and we are live in Jerusalem. Nefesh bin Nefesh is where we're at right now. We are live in the uh, Holy City, and... um, It is good to be back here, frankly, and I know that many of you are uh, excited. We were just discussing this about an hour or two ago. A lot of people excited about the fact that I am back and that I am uh, helping to bridge this gap. I felt it myself as I was um, heading toward the inball today. I was stopped by a couple of people who expressed their thanks and expressed, frankly, their surprise (laughs) that we're here again. Uh, but you know what I think of the um, of the importance of actually being here and making sure the audience in the diaspora feels what's going on here in Israel. And today we have one of the best representatives of what's going on here in Israel today. Rabbi Fast is going to join us in hour number three. Uh, we are working on bringing a um, mother, or I should say parent, of a lone soldier uh, on the air in the 7 o'clock hour. We'll see if that works. We have access to them, but they may not be able to join us, so... We'll figure that out. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, who in addition to the brand new book that he has and that he's going to be uh, helping uh, us uh, find out more information about, in addition to that, he is somebody through his abilities and through his remarkable uh, storytelling, no doubt has a perspective on this war that is unique, that I, I would bet. So he'll join us live in studio, Rabbi Hanoch Teller. Tomorrow, as many of you know, Jonathan Pollard is going to join us at the Inbal when we broadcast from the lobby of the Inbal Hotel tomorrow, 1 until 4 p.m. He's expected to join us at 3 o'clock live on the air. That, I would hope, is going to be a very, very interesting interview. And then uh, Friday, um, uh, more of an informal setup here in Yerushalayim, but we'll have our regular Friday morning show. And then, of course... Next week from Israel with Mayor Fertig doing a whole bunch of shows for us, which I thank him for, Mr. Grandpa, uh, for the first time. I thank him very, very much, and uh, obviously we'll go through the schedule at the appropriate time. One one decision we did make, which I think we had a feeling we'd be making this decision weeks ago, uh, but uh, through our experiences um, with many other organizations, watching the fundraising landscape as it is right now, and knowing how much people are... uh, how much money people are sending. Excuse me, I have to sneeze. Sending rightfully so, uh, so to uh, Israel. Um, we are going to continue through our end of year deadline, which was a soft deadline to begin with. And we are, in fact, going to make our end of year campaign a strictly 40th anniversary campaign that right now will end at the end of January. So right now, anything you give until December the 31st is going to be doubled. 
So keep that in mind at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, where we have the necessity, <coughs> for the reasons I mentioned, to go ahead and uh, and um, extend the deadline, so to speak, which, again, is something we, I think we, we knew from the beginning we would have to do. Uh, but that's becoming more and more official. Uh, the world is distracted. This is not a criticism. Uh, distracted by what's going on in Israel, and that includes the world of fundraising. And again, this is not a criticism. It's kolak avod, especially to the people in the diaspora who are thousands of miles away and are able to feel the tsar, the pain, everything that people here are going through. Um, so we're just going to take more time because people are distracted. We're just going to take more time and Bezrat Hashem get to whatever our new goal is going to be, whether it remains at 400,000 or not. Uh, we'll adjust things accordingly. Uh, Yigal Siegel is here. He's joining me on the air as uh, we broadcast from Jerusalem. A hearty afternoon to you, Rabbi Siegel. How are you? Good afternoon, Nahum. Thank you for coming. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking this Coca-Cola here because I'm trying to perk up a bit. Um, it, it, the only drawback of me insisting to leave after JMNAM and get here before JMNAM, which is that 115 flight from Newark, mm-hmm. the only drawback is I never sleep on that flight. So Because uh, by the time you get off, it's time to go to sleep. Yeah, so this show always is a challenge when it comes to the fatigue factor, but we're going to make it through. Well, you. You probably had a good night's sleep last night here in Jerusalem. I hope. Well, as good as anyone's sleeping these days, but good, uh, good point. <laughs> you're right. Also, uh, a big shout out to Stacy Siegel because my sister-in-law I have to applaud my sister. Yeah, I was just wondering. We may have. Do we have applause on this one? Yeah, you had something like that. Uh, I let's know we were, see. Yeah, you have to applause. Oh no! It would be nice if I would do that properly. One second. There we go, Stacy. Did I mention a, a round of applause for Stacy Siegel? <laughs> I mean, even during wartime, when you mention the name Stacy Siegel, there's a round of applause. <laughs> she worked very hard, and a tip of the hat, of course, to our neighbor Edie. Uh, she worked very hard to um, put together over a hundred winter coats, unbelievable, brand new winter coats for, and, and kudos to everybody who participated in the fundraiser. And kudos to you, by the way, for bringing them. No, no thank you for recognizing <laughs> that. I saw the picture of the uh, seven bags. Unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, they were, uh, let's just say El Al warned me about everything you could be warned about. The size, the cost, the color, and I think we got it all right. Anyway, so that's Stacy who got it all right. So, and, and, again, tip of the hat to Edie. Uh, always, always. Whose finishing touches on the project were extremely, extremely helpful, and during the project, frankly. But I, I personally think that anything that has to do with Leora Teji is oh. a worthwhile project. So Leora Teji's organization, Ormeo Bracha, that's the recipient of the uh, coats. And on Monday, they literally, they, meaning Leora and Stacy, when she's here, are going to go and distribute those coats to the young Boys and girls are going to be uh, enjoying those winter coats. Again, unfortunate situation. They don't own winter coats because they come from areas of Israel that really don't have much of a winter. Mm-hmm. But they're in Jerusalem now in the hotels. Uh, and they're going to, um, at least 100 of them are going to receive brand new coats. So there you go. Uh, for those w- who are waiting for an update about whether I was stopped or not, the only stop was at Customs in Israel. And they make you sign a bunch of stuff. They make you, you know... It was funny because because they asked me what the value of all the coats is. And, of course, when, when Customs asks you that question, what's your tendency? 
ten dollars a visit. <laughs> exactly right. You want to give them the lowest number possible. So I'm saying to myself, I think the donation page that Yonina Siegel, Yonina Zuckerman created, and I got to give a shout out to Yonina. I believe the donation page. Oh, One second, Yonina. Thank you. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the donation page right. was something like fifty, sixty bucks. So I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh. I'm sitting here with about $6,000 worth of codes. I said, so what's the value? I said, ah, about 3000 <laughs> Like, I wasn't sure what to say. I didn't remember exactly. So, but I did, I did say I have to at least, you know, at least give the lower end of the scale, so to speak. Anyway, it didn't seem to matter much. Once they saw who the donation was for and they looked it up and said, oh, there's a real organization. I said, yeah, oh, wow. I'm, I'm going straight there right now, you know, <laughs> Uh, I had an expert driver who knew how to get to Rehov Yakim and, uh, and took all the uh, orange duffel bags and put them in the storage unit there next to Arme Urbrachan on After Monday. After Teji blessed the imam. By the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> only in Yerushalayim, and I wish I had a video. Only in Yerushalayim. Yeah, that would have been a good video to take. I, they open up the trunk. This driver, really nice guy, opens up the trunk. I've met him. Oh, really? He opens up the trunk, mm-hmm. and and I say to Leora, come and look. because First of all, we wanted to know where to put them. We didn't want to just take them out you know, randomly and have to schlep them again. Not that I did any schlepping. But <laughs> I, I say to Leora, come look. And she comes to the back of the, of the van, and the hatchback is lifted, and the four orange massive duffel bags of coats is in front of her, and she's about to do something, uh, open one of them up or, you know, or make a comment, and instead... She starts to recite <coughs> with Shem Hashem the entire chapter of Mizmor Litoda, right? With emphasis on the way. If I had it in front of me, I would tell you which word she emphasized. It was unbelievable. But we say Mizmor Litoda. We say Velo Anachnu, right? Velo Anachnu. Velo Anachnu. Those are two of the words that you oh, know. Who else yeah, like she, in other words, somewhere. she appreciates what Stacy Siegel did. But this is not a gift from Stacy Siegel. Right. It's a gift from Akados Baruch. And I wish I had it on video the way she said If I would say to Hill, if I would say Psuk and the Zimra, the way she said it in front of that van, if I would say Psuk and Zimra every day like that, boy, I'll tell you, I, I'd really be known as a guy who davens well. I can tell you that much. As much as people like my davening, it would be off the charts. So th- that's what she did. And she wouldn't move. Like, no, th- now is time to say Ms. Merla Toda. And she says the entire thing. And once it's over. It's like she, making a bracha before you eat. Right. Now, before she accepted she looks, the gift, she had to right. acknowledge where it came from. She looks up to Shemayim and says, thank you, thank you, thank you, the whole thing. And, uh, and then we proceed wow. to, you know, to go through the whole I, w- I wish I had it on video. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. But this is what was going to happen. Because Jesus should be <laughs> a, a video guy 24 hours a day. All I right. mean, it's really unbelievable the stuff that she's doing, and and you know multiply it by I don't know hundreds and thousands. Really, literally, I mean, I told you the Rifki, my wife had uh, went uh, picking. She picked uh, tangerines yesterday. Nice in a place called Chatzor, which is down south. I remember Chatzor. No, how do you think? Yeah, There's Chatzor at Lee. Yeah, but this is another Chatzor. Interesting. Anyway, couldn't think of an original name. So it, they, they they weren't prepared for the amount of people that came. They came with a whole busload of people to do it. They didn't have enough crates. They ne- like, I can hear. I know. Don't touch it. Oh, hey. sorry. <laughs> anyway, so um, it's just amazing. The and and a lot of there's. I told you. I think she she met someone who came from England for a month. Right. And all this lady is doing is volunteering. She has you know access to all the WhatsApp groups, and there's so many. And like it, Israel is doing an amazing job of organizing uh, volunteer st- stuff, and you know where you can go. She's gone to pack boxes of food. She's gone to 
wash clothes for 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 Chayalim. She's got the barbecues, of course. You know, the barbecue is like you have to go to a barbecue. Mad girl. <laughs> but uh, it's really something. It's really something. What's going on here? Did you bring a tangerine for lunch after yesterday's? You know, I don't eat tangerines. Oh, really? Interesting. Even if they're from Israel. Should make an effort to eat Israeli fruit. The only way I can eat a tangerine right now is because it's in Israel. But uh, we'll have that discussion a different time. <laughs> but um, I told you this: the I'm sure you'll hear from Rabbi Fass in the uh, in the eight o'clock hour about uh, his take on what's going on here now. But uh, it's it's a very very difficult time here in Israel. Um, well, I'm giving credit, as you heard me say earlier, off the air. I'm giving credit to Jews in the diaspora who are. Uh, understanding the depression, the uh, terrible feelings, and are experiencing the same thing. I mean, this this episode with the chayalim, that the not the chayalim, the hostages, I should say, mm-hmm. was one that I'm sure was extremely, extremely painful. Here, I don't even know how people were able to make it through the day when that happened. Uh, but it's being felt around the world. It's being felt around the world. Episodes like that, and episodes like the uh, the Daily Report, of which IDF soldiers have been. Uh, Killed by the enemy. Yeah. And especially Who's, when people that you know. Yeah. You know, they've lost. Uh, and every, and by the way, and I, and I want to make this point, and I think you agree with me on this, because uh, you're mentioning friends of ours, and we've acknowledged them on the air. Um, you know, people we're familiar with, families we're familiar with, that are suffering these terrible losses. I mean, this is something we've been talking about since Shemini had Sarah's, frankly. Mm-hmm. I was at one of those graves the first trip here, as you recall. And I believe that the same pain that's being experienced in the Dati Lumi, Yeshivish, religious Zion, call it whatever you want, call, mm-hmm. call it whatever community you want to associate these soldiers with, I believe every community is going through the same thing. I think it's geographic everywhere in Israel. I think it's across the religious lines, secular, religious, Sephardi, Ashkenazi. If you, if you take the pulse of any community in Israel... I believe you will see suffering in every single one of them. You are hundred percent correct. I think, though, I think over the last twenty years, at least since I've been here, there's been a certain expectation that uh, you know we don't need tanks anymore. We can do, we can play, you know, we can do these wars, you know, like war games, right? war games, drones, you know, airplanes dropping bombs, you know, computers. The fact, the fact that we're back to a serious ground, ground. Uh, Ground war, operation, yeah. ground operation is something that I don't think anyone was really prepared for, and and the losses are like you said, they're affecting every community in terms of the Anglo community that's here. You know, it's not something that we've experienced um, for a very long time, and um, it's it's just it's very hard to deal with, especially when you know we don't see the end. You wanna you wanna make it to the. You want to make it to it. We know what the purpose is. We know what the the goal of this operation is to wipe out Hamas. But uh, exactly how we're going to get there with the pressures that are being put on us, and obviously the hostage situation is something which complicates it. So it's it's just it's very very difficult to deal with that at an emotional level. And by the way, tomorrow we're going to be speaking with Jonathan Pollard, and he obviously took a tremendous amount of heat for his comments about what he would prefer right. the policy be regarding hostage families, but. The reality is, as you and I discussed off the air, there are others who may not be saying it the way he said it, which I get. It was very harsh, mm-hmm. but they, but but they are, you know, trying to strike a balance between families desperate for their children to come home, right, and at the same time not to force the hand of the Israeli government to make a ridiculous deal 
with Hamas. It is almost being between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. Oh, it's a hundred percent between a rock and a hard place. There's no question about it. You know, it's you know the the euphoria that you saw when hostages were released is something that uh, yeah. And then, could you imagine being a family of someone who wasn't released sure. in that first? I mean, it, it's just it's just it's crazy the the feeling, the emotions, and and obviously there's a lot of raw emotion around. But uh, rock and a hard place is exactly where we are, exactly where the government is, who makes these decisions, and exactly you know where the army is in terms of how they deal with going into these areas and now especially after what happened you know seeing someone walking to you with their hands up could be could be a hostage it's just very very difficult very very difficult and it's uh it's it's permeating the entire country the entire country is feeling this depression is feeling this sadness anxiety yeah and again as the as the anglo community again I'll defer to everybody fast to go into detail in terms of what's going on but uh it's something that we haven't experienced in a very long time. And I want to tell you something, Nahum. The, the, the tremendous power that people have of belief and, and love of this land and the, and the one above that's come out because of <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. They, you, you just, you marvel at the way people speak and at the way people act in terms of, you know, my son gave his life or my husband gave his life to protect the land of Israel. That's what he, that's what he is. That's his, that's and what, the people in the state. What, what more can I say? What more can I say? He's in the highest levels of Shemayim. He's, which we believe. It reminds know? us of that Kalbach piece. Hashemos. That's what it reminds us right, of. You know? Right, 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 right. Uh, drink Alachayim. I mean, in the story that Kalbach tells, drink Alachayim, right. the two holy sons who gave their lives for the holy land. That's it. They give your sons, you know. Remember, I think Rabbi Riskin says, Hamakom, Yenachim, right. the Makom is, is, is Eretz Yisrael. I mean, right. the, it's it's something which is 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 very hard for someone like me who grew up where I grew up and, and, and lived for so many years outside of Israel. Despite the love that I have for the land and the fact that I moved my family here, I just marvel at what, what people, the strength people have to cope with this. It's just... Uh, Do you think a deal is imminent? Like, you listen to the news here all the time. Is, is, does it sound like it's imminent by, the, mean, by no, the end of the week? Look, there's no question that, that people are talking more than they were before what happened last Friday, but uh, it's impossible to know what's going to happen. But there's, I, I can't imagine the pressure that uh, the government officials are under in order to try and make a deal now. It's just, uh, especially after this tragic incident, I just uh, I don't envy them in their, what they have to do. We're in Jerusalem, everybody, and for those of you who think that there are people in this country who don't feel like there's a war, because someone made that comment to me in between my first and second trip, that things are calming down to the extent that if you're not really involved, you don't realize there's a war going on. So that's a very, I mean, look, I want to tell you something. Last night, we went out to eat to a restaurant that had been shut down for you know, probably a month after, after October 7th because they didn't have waiters, they didn't have... And the place was packed. The place was packed. There was staff. There was, you know, like, you really, you know, could lose yourself in the fact that, oh, this is just like six months ago. You know, like, you know, it's, but first of all, there's a, it, it, there's, there's an interesting feeling of, of, of comradeship between different types of people who live here that we wouldn't necessarily have had beforehand. Right. That you feel. You really are my brothers and, and sisters. Exactly. Right. And I think, uh, you know, you feel it when you walk down the street and you see people constantly saying thank you to Chayalim, constantly saying thank you to policemen and, and, pol and police women, 
it, it's unbelievable the the feeling of connection that has occurred. And, and listen, we all pray that it continues, but it's never it's never far from your mind. The war, you know, right. it's never. Also, also, I, I pointed out, and I, I think I'm right about this, even though it's anecdotal. I think Jews around the world, c- certainly I could speak for the ones in the New York, New Jersey area, I think they're going out less. I think they're, they're feeling the, you know, the, the depression a little bit more. And, of course, a lot of people have taken a lot of the money they make and have sent it to Israel. So that you know, affords less opportunity to go out and do things like that. So I, th- I think, to, again, to the credit of the diaspora, not ever comparing, obviously. No, I understand what you're That saying. people are getting it and people are adjusting accordingly. No question about it. You know, a lot of my friends in the diaspora have reached out to me, just asked me how I'm doing, which is interesting because, you know, my life specifically hasn't changed that much. You know, I have one one son who's serving in the Air Force, and he's, you know, he's working in computers, so he's not necessarily, you know, he feels guilty about that himself, which is an interesting dynamic. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's it's something that permeates every household. Like you said, every community is touched. Everyone knows somebody that's been affected by that. And and one of the things now that we that, that that hit me last week, someone in our family sent out a list of the wounded soldiers to Davin for. There was, I mean, hundreds of names on the list. I mean, we forget about the people who are lying. In fact, there was a message that was sent out by the Shari Tzedek uh, um, spokesman for the IDF who's connected to Shari Tzedek who said that please don't come and visit the Chayalim. Like they were getting so many people coming that just wanted to walk around and say thank you. He says, it's you know, you have to respect the privacy, you have to respect the families, you know, they need time, whatever. But the fact that he has to send that out is means that you know people haven't forgotten that. But it's you know the people who are wounded and the people who are going to be affected their whole lives by w- injuries and stuff like that is something that we don't even think about that much at this point. So there's a there's tremendous amounts of stuff that's going to be happening after the war and, and for for years to come that we're going to have to deal with. Two videos bother me. Yeah, one is the visitation in the hospitals. I mean, you know, if I was that patient. And I, and I appreciate visits, especially if it's the prime minister or if it's my family members. Believe me, I appreciate it. Or somebody whose music I enjoy or an actor. You know, I'm not minimizing that. It's wonderful. But I don't like videos of, of me in my hospital garb, mm-hmm. you know, in a relatively uncom- uncomfortable position. You know, you don't know what to say to these people who are coming to visit you. It must be very hard for the soldiers, frankly. And they have enough on their heads to begin with. They're recovering from their wounds. Yeah, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that they... They have to ask permission from. No, I get that, but I no, I just because I say I don't like the video doesn't mean it's not good. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying (laughs) I'm not comfortable with it, but of course, 100 percent they ask the family permission. Did you see the video of Shy Groucher, Daddy's son, with the with the with the young girl who was shot at the Kneesalier? Sure. And the fact that he made a phone call and he. And the one thing she wanted was that her father could stay in Israel and not right. have to raise money in America. And, right. he, and he basically paid for a month of his colo. Right. So that kind of video, I agree with what you're saying. A, a video of someone, you know, who's getting a visit from a guy like this. And it's like, that's not necessarily, you know. Not, but that was a tremendous boost in terms of people, especially for he called people from the diaspora to get the money. Right. No, but so, I would argue that, those, that all those videos are boosts, including the hospital one. I just cringe a little bit when I say to them, I've been in hospitals and I, you know, my rule when I'm in the hospital, no visitors, right? <laughs> that's my usual rule. Which, Except which, me, yeah. Which someone we know usually violates, but right. anyway, <laughs> but that's usually my rule. And, that, and again, that's what I'm saying. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing that just makes me uncomfortable. But of course you're right that every one of them is a tremendous morale. No, I hear you. I hear the you. other one, I'm curious if you agree with me. Yeah. 
How many times have you seen videos of a pitcher and catcher, um, or I should say it differently, how many times have you seen videos at baseball stadiums right. where the catcher goes out to, for the ceremonial first pitch and the first pitch is some kid or woman or right. whatever it is and they throw it out and they go meet the catcher after they throw the pitch and it's their father who was in the military, you know, oh, I got some Yeah, 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 yeah. And how many times have you seen videos in America of servicemen and women who come back and, you know, walk into a classroom. When you're in the United States and there's one kid in the school that has a relative, a mother or father serving in the armed forces, I get it. But when you're in Israel and every kid in that class wishes that their father would be the one walking through that door, those videos bother me. I didn't realize they had these videos. Oh, yeah, they're all over the place. Oh, really? I Am I right or wrong? I hear you. I hear you. In other words, when you have those videos in America, you're saying that when yeah, he walks, when he walks into the, yeah, the, to the basketball place. court, exactly. that he's the only guy probably, that possibly could come, and no one else is upset. You'd be, and most of the crowd doesn't have people in the army. There's, it's a neighborhood. It's a community. It's a school. It's a classroom. Whatever. Here, when a soldier walks into a classroom, right, right. walks into the second grade. 20. Every kid right, once in that second grade has somebody in the army, if not one of their parents. Anyway. I mean, we're just in an age where everything is documented now. It's the, but I agree with you. I hear what you're saying. On the other hand... Um, no, think, but it's not the video that bothers me. That they set up that surprise bothers me. Oh, so so there I think the way I've, I've seen it, and again, I'm obviously very removed from this, but it just seems to me that the other kids in the class... Right. You know, from the little things I've seen. Oh, they might be in on it. They they understand and they're happy for their, right. you know. For that. But you're right. It, you know, every kid probably has uh, at least somebody who's serving. All right, so maybe I'm being too hard on everybody, especially I didn't sleep on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said to me the other day, thank God your father, meaning your father, is not around to see this. And I said, why do you say that? Well, the war and the the, the Nazi-like brutality. I said, I think my father, in this circumstance, would give anything to be a witness to the unity, mm-hmm. the Osak. Oh, did you hear my vart, by the way? My Shabbos Hanukkah vart? No, sorry. I wasn't so, there. So in Al-Anisim, <laughs> I said this to my children. I, 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 I made up this vart. Feel free to feel free, feel free to, to feel free to, <laughs> Feel free to ex Hanukkah to quote me. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do we say in Al-Anisim? Rabin biad ma'atim. Tameim biad tahorim, rishayim biad sadikim. Right. Mm-hmm. What's the next one? Rishayim biad sadikim, v'zeidim biad oskitorosach. If you already said um, tahorim, tameim biad tahorim, and you already said rishayim biad sadikim, what do you have to say zeidim biad oskitorosach for? Okay. Every, everybody who who is holy and or a tzaddik, right. you know, if you're already describing the group that that won this war, right, that won the Hanukkah war, Zaydin biad oski torasecha. I mean, obviously, if you're a tzaddik, you're an oski torasecha, right? Mm-hmm. So here's my vart. What we learn from this war, when the Jewish people are involved in this type of activity where the enemy's trying to destroy us, everybody. Even secular Jews become Oske Torasecha. <laughs> so our father, in my opinion, even though obviously it's the most horrible of circumstances, would have focused on the fact 
that so many Jews were discovering their roots, their tradition, their heritage, ritually performing. Look how many mitzvahs are being performed. What are the four big mitzvahs that we, that we spoke about the other night? The four big mitzvahs, excuse me, this was yesterday with the mayor felt. Here are the four big mitzvahs of the war, in my opinion. For the, for the men, excuse the, you know, excuse the, the gender separation. Right. For the men, tefillin and tzitzis. And for the women... Uh, Nerot, uh, Nerot Shabbos and Hafrash Eschala. Right. Right? That's, but that's always in the... No, I get it. But, but, it's, but we're talking about people who've never done any of these four things. And now, and now look what's going on. So that's why I say that if you would have shown people from, from that generation, right, who grew up in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, etc., that this is how the Jewish people would react to this, that is what they would glean. For, obviously, they'd be in tremendous pain from the war, but you get my point. Speaking of our father, this is something that I, I forgot to tell you. Yeah. There was somebody that was sitting Shiva this week, one of our cousins. And uh, I went to pay a Shiva call, and he said... Was that... Um, Shimon. Shimon Green. So... Uh, he he was a big fan of our father. A tremendous fan. I'll tell you another story afterwards. But he said he said something which is... that If you remember, your son Benjamin had a bar mitzvah here in Israel. Right. And, 2005. And if you remember... It was exactly during disengagement. Right. So Shimon was at the bar mitzvah. Right. And he spoke to her father. And he asked him. And he said, and my, our father basically predicted what's gonna ha- what's happening now. He said he can't he couldn't handle the the idea of giving away land of Israel was something which after everything he had done, I mean the little things that he had done compared to everyone else, but he did a lot of stuff, as we know, for the for you know the creation of the state. And for the land of Israel, but giving away a piece of land of Israel was something he couldn't handle emotionally. And then he said, it's only going to lead to terrible things. And, and I mean, he, yeah. he, he expanded sure. on that. But just so our father had a tremendous perspective. I agree with you 100 percent that he would have looked at the positive of what's going on now. Obviously, the negative would have been something horrible sure. that he had to deal with. But there's no question he would have very much enjoyed seeing the, um, the tremendous, you know, Binding between different communities now. And now he would have enjoyed seeing the Zaydim Biyad Oske Torah That's right. You know now. Once in a while. When you write that book, baby. Oh, wait. You're writing a book. I forgot. Should I include that vart? 100%. Really? (laughs) Now I feel bad the book wasn't out by Hanukkah. (laughs) That's a very nice idea. Thank you very much. Hopefully by next Hanukkah. And by the way, it's it's a true idea. Yeah, it's hundred percent true. Because it, look it's what not, Ward did to this uh, to these. Remember, people. it says Oske Torosech. Right. Let's say Lom Day. Correct. So they all became Oskim. This this group, by the way, that went with Rishki went with yesterday was was organized by secular Israelis who wanted religious women to come so they could have you know a connection to them. And there were some very interesting conversations that took place as they were picking <laughs> injuries. <laughs> no, just about, you sure. know, halachic issues in the army. And so it's very, very interesting stuff, which we as a community, if we're going to be connected to everyone here in Israel after this thing is over, hopefully soon, you know, the, the whole Haredi versus everyone else, it's going to have to be dealt with in terms of somehow bringing, bridging a gap, which uh, is not going to be easy. Yeah, no question about it. I think the next Prime Minister of Israel is going to be somebody who is perceived, whether it's true or not, who is perceived as someone who's able to unite the religious and the secular. That's what I think, but we'll see what happens. Maybe you'll be in... uh... Me? I could do that.
I would learn Hebrew first. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I have my hopes set high. Um, anyways, there you have it. And the la- was that it? Was that all I wanted to share with you in these first few, few first few minutes? I think that. Was I, I want to express to you, especially now that we're um, officially saying that the campaign is extended. Um, I think people have to realize that you. This is the third time that you're here since the war started, and it's not an easy trip for you. I mean, besides the complaints about the not sleeping and stuff like that, besides that, I can attest to the fact that it's not Someone easy. asked me, Rabbi Fass asked me earlier how the flight was. So I said, Rabbi Fass, <laughs> if there was one seat on the plane, I wouldn't be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I have flown with you when you have expressed your displeasure. Really? <laughs> yes. It was anyway. so funny. My granddaughter, imagine that, granddaughter. Our Which husband. one? Which one? It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, no, I'm sure nobody <laughs> wants details on the air. I hear you. My granddaughter was on a plane last week. So my son, as a joke, sends like a picture, you know, of, of her on the plane. And she has like this, you know, like this. She's not smiling. Let's put it that way. So I write in the family group, hey, that's exactly how, that's exactly how Saba looks when he's on a plane. Ask Safta. And, <laughs> and of course, Stacy chimed in, yep, that's exactly how he looks on that's a plane. Hilarious. <laughs> no, but seriously... Um, the effort that you have made over the last couple of months is something that someone like me, besides being your brother, but someone like me looking from the outside, very much appreciates. Thank you. And you don't understand the impact that when someone like you comes, that it gives in terms of the support that we feel at least emotionally, if not, th- if not anything else emotionally. And I appreciate that. I, I heard that from others today, which was amazing. Uh, just in front of the hotel, I heard it from people, which was really nice, and I appreciate it very much. You don't have to be um, – you, you could be anybody and make a difference. You literally could come to this country and uh, and make a difference just by bringing your family, mm-hmm. uh, enjoying the time here, visiting with people, giving them strength, letting them know that you care. And spending money, by and the way. spending money, boy. Oh, you just reminded me. Yeah. There are a couple of things i got to get that uh, that people want to buy from you know Israeli vendors. Which I that, by the way, did you notice what's going on? In yeah, what is that? I Cinema City. Today's Wednesday. Cinema City, which we're next door to, has what? What is it, like a, a? It looks like some sort of a uh, farmers market. Exactly, yeah. but it's it's not just food. It's a uh, clothing and right. everything. I assume it's uh, for people who have Try been displaced or they're coming to the customers. Right. Amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Did you see that cheese table? No, I have to check it out. <laughs> My gosh, I didn't see it. No. Where oh, was it? It's right there next to the entrance to the theater. Oh, I went around the other Pit side. Pitmaster entrance cheese. Oh, so I missed the. Now, is Pitmaster open again or not? Do we know? The burger place? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's been closed. I don't know Since what's going on. Yeah. And that was the place where you needed two months in advance to get a reservation. It was, it's very popular. So, um, why am I mentioning this? I don't know. Stacy Siegel's coming to town. Oh, she wants to go there. No. She, well, she's not as familiar with these places. She had not heard of Pitmaster before I told her about it after her last trip. So I, I, I want to make sure to take her to, you know, some yeah, nice... I, I don't think it, it... At one point, someone told us it opens later in the day. Right, but we didn't see that. No, I don't think so. Anyway. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, anybody who has recommendations, and I know, again, like you said, you got to balance things out, right? It's a very sensitive time here in Israel, but I we would, are we are going to spend some time. I would stay around my neighborhood. You have all the best restaurants? I mean, around the Shuk, it's unbelievable what we have now. Yeah, but there's never room in any of them. You have to know where to go. Oh, excuse me. 
Does this mean we have to invite you? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, thank God. <laughs> there is no requirement for me to be there in order for you to be able to have a seat. But remember, as you say on the airplane, even if one seat in the restaurant, it's still uncomfortable. So if you escort me to the restaurant and make yeah. all the arrangements, yeah. you, you, you drop us off and that would be the end of that? Yeah, well, this discussion is definitely could be had a- <laughs> Off the air. <laughs> well, I don't think you realize how important this is. And anybody listening knows how important it is. So then what it you should do. It is rare that my wife joins me in Israel. I would say that you have Stacy communicate with her friends and right. see what their recommendations are. Because oh, they God. probably. You want me in these dairy places? <laughs> you, want me in, you want me in these cafes? I want you to know something. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I'm, you know I'm not a big milk guy. Yeah. But there's some really solid milk restaurants in New Shalai. The last day. I'm in Israel last trip. Okay. I The airport, I assume I went late at night to the airport, right? When, yeah. So you you know how I am during a show. I never eat anything. Right. So every day that I'm here until 4 o'clock, except for a very little breakfast, I will have nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So I get back to the hotel. And the, I'm very friendly, thank God. We have a great relationship with the staff at the Inbal. And they say, what is your Wednesday flight? I'm being picked up like 8.30, whatever time you know, this wonderful driver picked me up. So they said, why don't you go to the O2 restaurant and at least have a meal? You haven't eaten anything all day. Mm-hmm. O2 is this incredible steak. It really is great. In uh, the inbox. In right? the inbox. Mm-hmm. And I was this close to going, and I said, you know what? The next time I go to O2, it should be to have a steak with Stacy Siegel. So I'm waiting until Aww. next week. I'm waiting until next week to actually go with her. Uh, yeah, but, it's, uh, we w- but it'll also guarantee no dairy that night. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's it's a very nice restaurant. Oh, excellent! What can I tell you? All right, what are we up to here? Six forty-one in the morning. Should we try? And, um, I don't know if we should try and find someone because they finished their program. The mothers of the of the soldiers. That's so. up to you. That's totally up to you. I mean, you put them on now. If you I don't know. yeah, why not? Right. If it's a good story, and they know English. I can check it out. You want me to go check it out? I appreciate that. Egal Siegel, tremendous help as usual. Tomorrow, Jonathan Pollard's our guest, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, we're live in Israel today at the Nefesh Benefesh headquarters, tomorrow from the Inbal Hotel. Thank you to Ronnie and the entire staff there. It is an amazing and incredible location for us every single time. They really, they, they pulled out, they again have pulled out all the stops, and then they find out. At Stacy Siegel's coming, and all of a sudden, even more stops have been pulled out. So thanks to the Inbal Hotel. We're in Israel. Keep our brothers and sisters in mind. Our IDF soldiers, the men and women of the Israel Defense Forces, the hostages, we worry about them. Boy, do we worry about them. I mean, the, the, the and I see, by the way, one of the reasons, and, and why would it not be like this? One of the reasons that everyone is so down at times is because the, the morning shows here, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. The morning shows are all focused on discussion about the hostages. And now all these documentaries and eyewitness accounts of what happened on Shemini Atzeris are also coming out and being produced, which is also a, a, a factor. So pray for our soldiers. We'll do this selection from Aryeh Kunstler. It's called Sahal, and you're listening to JM in the AM. Oh, 
Kunstler, hey, Misha Berach for Tzahal, pretty amazing. Speaking of Tzahal, we're in the Nefesh Benefesh headquarters, as, of course, where our temporary studio is here in Jerusalem for now until it becomes a permanent studio, please God. And uh, we were told that parents of lone soldiers are in the building. That's what we were told. Our crack staff, with the assistance of the Nefesh Benefesh staff went and sought out one of the parents of the lone soldiers who are here and it turns out to be somebody who I know for quite a while. Galia Libin is here in our temporary studio at Nefesh Benefesh in Jerusalem. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. 
pretty amazing that, that we know each other as long as we do and we, we reunite here in the Holy City. You're here visiting Eitan. I am. And first of all, but let's do this on a more broad scale. What is, the, I mean, we know that Operation Hug is one that's bringing parents who are in the diaspora and lone soldiers together. Tell me about this program. Not, not what happened today, but just when you were first informed that this program even exists and they're able to make this opportunity available to you. So I found out about it from a bunch of other lone soldier parents in Boca Raton, Florida, where I live. I applied right away. Um, and they were so inundated with applications that they had to process them only within two weeks of when you wanted to leave. Um, so I kept following up and following up. And when it hit that 14 day mark, I emailed again and within a day they connected me with their travel agent and she was super helpful and she arranged the flights for me. Pretty and here I am. Unbelievable. Aton is in an area of uh, the army that um, affords you the opportunity to visit or this is a rarity. Like it just, he, he was able to get out for a few hours or a day or two in order to make this happen. So I actually have not seen him yet. Oh, wow. Um, when did you get here? I arrived yesterday. Wow. Um, have they told you when you will see him? Um, no, they have really? not. Um, I do think it might happen later today. Wow. Um, I usually just get to see him. We don't get to spend many days together. It's sort of short bursts right. of time. So this could be a day or two? Um, I do think that I will probably see him before Shabbat. Right. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the whole, I mean, look, we know about Nefesh Benefesh and that they took this on <clears throat> as a really important aspect of trying to bring families together during the war. But how, how meaningful is this? I mean, the fact that, that you're here now, as opposed to being thousands of miles away and worrying about your son without the ability to see him up close and personal. Okay, so I'm still worried, even though I'm here. <laughs> um, it is just such an unbelievable thing, though. It's such an unbelievable program. I spent the morning with other parents of lone soldiers. And what happened just, in this building today? Oh, my goodness. I had no idea what to expect when I walked in. They had a beautiful morning planned, every detail down to the last drop. I met parents from all over the world whose sons and daughters have come to Israel to fight for their country. And across the board, we all feel the same way. Our children are so motivated. They're so ideologically driven. They're not scared. They believe this is their destiny. They believe that they're doing their calling. They believe that they're doing the work for greater Am Yisrael. And it was just inspiring to be among other parents because as much as you get, you get nice, caring words from other people, nobody can understand what you're going through like other parents who are in the same situation. Uh, that I'm sure of. How many do you think were there today? So there was actually not that many people. They said that about 15 parents had to cancel at the last minute because they found out their sons were getting a break oh. from, from fighting good, on the front lines. Good, and good obviously... Reason. You know, they had to grab that opportunity. A uh, good reason to have to uh, to have to cancel. Mm -hmm. In addition to the get together and meeting people from around the world, which is unique to the IDF, I believe. Um, I, I was told that they're actual professionals who gave some type of I don't know support group or some type of direction when, in terms of being a parent of a lone soldier. Yes, so there was um, a woman, Karen. I didn't catch her last name. She was uh -huh. very very helpful. She gave us some coping tips for managing our own personal worries and stress and anxiety surrounding having children on the front lines. Um, there was also a briefing from the, the communications unit in, in Sahal. 
It was just a great morning. How old is Eitan? Eitan is 21 years old. Um, he, you know, was born and raised in the five towns, grew up like any other American kid, went to Camp Moshava. And, <laughs> We're blaming um, them? <laughs> no, no, no. I give them credit. Um, and, you know, from the moment that he, he knew he was coming to Israel for his year in Israel, he knew he was staying, he was joining the army, he was making Aliyah. He is very driven, very motivated. Someone you know well once said to me when I congratulated him that his son made Aliyah, he said to me, he, he looked at me as if he was, you know, not 100% thrilled with it. So I said, you know, you're not accepting my Mazel Tov wish? So he says to me, well, we sent them to the right schools. We went to all the rallies, demonstrations, parades, etc. I wanted him to be a Zionist, but not this much of a Zionist, that he's actually in the army now. That's anyway. funny. I always say that Eitan is living my dream because... I always wanted to join the army. Um, had Nefesh Benefesh been around back then, I probably would have. But I had to wait one more generation. But what's, what, but you're, what you're describing about the incredible um, devotion that they have to this mission is what's so remarkable. You talk about living the dream. They would tell us, including your son, that they're that they're in the ultimate dream now that they actually get to go and fight and defend the land of Israel, the state of Israel, and Jewish people around the world. And that to us, at least to me, is unfathomable when you're putting your life on the line in order to do that. This is true, though. It's absolutely true. This is what he was made for, he, and he believes this is what he was made for. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. A lot of lone uh, soldier parents in your area of Florida or not? So, yes, there are in Boca Raton. Um, so there's a support group a lot. just naturally. We have there. a whole Mothers of Lone Soldiers group that we get together very frequently to just, you know, let out, let off steam. Um, as well, um, Boca Raton Synagogue has a whole group right. of IDF parents. Um, the Did whole it, community is very, very pro-Israel. Did Eitan ask you to bring anything specific? Because I have been inundated with requests over the last couple of weeks to bring certain people here in Israel to uh, different items. Was there anything specific that he wanted from the States? So actually, no. There's <laughs> been so many people coming and going that this was, of all the trips that I've come here, this was probably the least. Uh, Interesting. So people can get yes. by without asking for anything from the USA, huh? I think is that there are so many people bringing stuff and helping that that he's just inundated with everything he could possibly think of yeah no i hear that 100 percent um what can i say uh please tell him to stay safe from us wonderful Thank reuniting you. with you in this forum yes. and boy are you proud to be the mother of a of a soldier of the idf beyond proud beyond proud galia libin everybody really representing a whole group of people here today who are visiting from around the world to see their children who are serving in the israeli army thank you galia thank you so much Nahum. a real pleasure jm and the am on this Wednesday morning broadcast live from Nefesh Benefesh. I don't know where they get it from. I don't know where they get it from. We could blame the summer camps. We could blame the day schools. We could blame the uh, parades, demonstrations, and rallies. We could blame the parents and grandparents. But there is an innate love for this land and for the heritage and tradition of the Jewish people, that is just remarkable. And I heard I heard a commentary the other day about um, the spirit that the soldiers are bringing to this war, and how this generation is really leading when it comes to this area of being so dedicated to our tradition and our heritage.
Just amazing. More coming up here at JM in the AM. <coughs> Rabbi Hanoch Teller is going to join us in hour number two. Rabbi Josh Fass in hour number three. I'll use this opportunity for the next minute to to remind uh, our audience that uh, it was not just the winter coats that I schlepped from the United States. There were other items as well. Uh, I asked uh, Yigal Siegel, I said, do me a favor. I said, do me a favor. Uh, could you lift all six packages that I brought, <laughs> including that one small duffel that I brought from America with all your stuff? And just, just so you could experience how much stuff came with me for you and those associated with you. You know, I, I could not give you a hard time about this. <laughs> no, I just I like I like the fact um I like the fact that you kind of snuck it into the interview with the with the lone soldier mother. Did Aton ask you to bring anything special? How no, nothing at all. How is it that a guy fighting in Gaza <laughs> needs nothing from the US? Right? Irish what? spring soap <laughs> is not, not available in Israel? Um you know, I don't know. Wow. That's a good question. Someone once told me it's available in like one of these stores that has a lot of American items. But there was one thing that you got, yeah. you know, because we <laughs> open up all the boxes so we can pack accordingly. Yeah. There was one thing you got I, where I said I'm to afraid. myself, they don't sell this. It is, I forgot what it was. I don't Pens. Know what it was. was that what it was? Yeah. We like a specific type of pen. Wow. But as I told you, Amazon... You know, ships to Israel and for free when you order over $49. This is not a commercial for Amazon, but they have resumed doing it. It was uh, right after the war started, it was suspended. So, you mean, N- but aren't you coming back next month? You, with you mean NPS is being suspended? <laughs> the Nacho Parcel Service is being suspended? <sighs> Remember what I said last time, Yigal. The goal is to go from 14 suitcases to zero. Now it's to go from seven to zero. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens next trip. Anyway, how much is Stacy bringing? I think only a suitcase. Oh, that's uh, you were the one who. Uh, well, well, I'm gonna okay. make her schlep it. Are you kidding me? You're tzaddik. Well, I don't know if I'm a tzaddik. I'm, I think. No, I'm, you're a I think I'm an average guy who's doing what he's supposed to be doing. That's, you're that's totally a tzaddik. <laughs> that's what I, you know, don't try to make up for the packages. All right. You are the <laughs> biggest tzaddik ever. You're the one who said that. Anything you want. Anything you want. Off the air, he's fine about this, listeners. I just wanted to know. By the way, I don't regret it for a second. I did mean everything you want and anything you want. And By the way, I hear Aaron Katzman might need something. So really? Uh, what does he need? I don't know. We'll find out from Yael in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Aaron Katzman, you want to know something? This is what I'll do for Aaron Katzman. Because yeah. he is a very dedicated listener here. Oh, he is the, the most dedicated listener. Here, here's what I'm going to do for Aaron Katzman. Yes. I will not schlep anything from the, America, from the United States for him. But I will be more than happy to order something from Amazon and send it directly to him. So, Aaron Katzman, it's a late Hanukkah gift for you. A late Hanukkah gift for you. You tell us what you want, and I will make sure to order it through Amazon and have it shipped directly to your home. I'm not sure exactly what favor you're doing for Aaron Katzman in that scenario. It's not a favor. What do you mean? Because, are you paying for it? Yes, of course. Oh, my gosh. If he needs something, I'm getting him a a delayed Hanukkah gift. Unless he wants to wait till next Hanukkah. This is a guy. This is a guy. Which guy? No, I'm saying he's like one of our most dedicated listeners. I'm saying. I see that it's unbelievable what you do for your listeners. Well, the least I could do is, you know, is process a gift for him. We'll see what he needs. Maybe uh, maybe it should be a surprise birthday gift or something like that. You know what I was told? Yeah. I was told he <laughs> loves Irish spring soap. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we could just take, take the one I brought for you. No, please, no. 
Uh, anyway. Well, if Aaron likes Irish Spring Soap, I, I think you brought two bars. So By I don't the like way, sharing it with him. if Aaron has the same shirt size as you, we can also settle it that way as well. <laughs> Mr. Let's Fill Nahum's uh, excuse me, but I have 300 shirts. Excuse me, but I have one son who is the same size as me exactly. So uh, that's why that. Uh, that's why there are multiple shirts? Yeah. I don't want to reveal too much about this. I don't think we should give out too much personal family information. No, enough is enough. You know what I mean? Shirt sizes, off. No, no enough more. is enough in general. Anyway, um, thanks for tuning in. Rebecca Noch Teller in hour number two. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We're doing our part. Nobody else is interviewing a mother of a lone soldier who's flown here on Operation Hug and spent uh, the, the morning, the entire morning here in this building. Nobody else is doing that. We are. We're bringing that to you. Rabbi Hanoch Teller has a brand new book about an incredible rabbi. Um, we're going to be speaking to him about that. Nobody has Rabbi Fass on on a regular basis to, who has his hand on the pulse of what's happening here in Israel. He'll be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. And that's why people should go to fjbunity.org and, and donate to keep this going. Correct. All the things that you just mentioned alone are, are amazing reasons to, uh, to support. Plus tomorrow, from the Inbal, Jonathan Pollard joins us at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. So, please, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, support this great radio broadcast. fjbunity.org. Canceling? No. Oh. No. <laughs> no. You had to look on your face like our guests are canceling. No, just, it's, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. Galay Tal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next. We say Boker Toe from Jam and the גליצל מירושלים השעה שתיים שלום רב באולפן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. הותר לפרסום שמו של חלל צה"ל שנפל בקרב בדרום רצועת עזה. רס"ר במילואים אוריאל כהן בן 33 מצור הדסה מפקד נמר ביחידת הסיוע המינהלתי בגבעתי. יהי זכרו ברוך. בעוד זמן קצר יובל למנוחות סרן במילואים ליאור סיון בן 32 מבית שמש קצין לוחם בגדוד 363 חטיבת הראל ליאב, אלמנתו של ליאור, ספדה לו אצל אמיר איבגי. לרגע לא באמת פחדתי ולא באמת חשבתי שיכול לקרות משהו. הוא כל הזמן צ'ידר, שהכול בסדר וקטן עליו, והכול בחיוך. בן אדם שהוסיף מלא אור וחגג את החיים ושמח. כל השיחות טלפון שלנו ממש היו מלאים ברגעים שהתגלגלנו מצחוק וליאור היה כזה אבא מדהים כשכל שיחת טלפון הוא היה מבקש לשמוע סיפורים על הבן שלנו, טלטול ממש מתעקש על הפרטים הכי קטנים הלחימה ברצועת עזה, לוחמי צה"ל איתרו משאית עליה הותקנו רקטות ארוכות טווח במהלך פשיטה על יעדים במרחב ג'באליה. כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש מוסיף שבנוסף פשטו לוחמי צה"ל על בתי בכירים של ארגון הטרור חמאס בלב חאן יונס, שם חשפו תשתית תת-קרקע ובה מערכות מים וחשמל. סרן במילואים הלל, סגן קצין אג"ם בעוצבת הבזק, סיפר לי האלדן על הלחימה ברצועה. העובדה שלנו בעצם נכנסה ללחימה לפני תקופה לא מאוד ארוכה, וכל מרחב שמגיעים אליו מגלים עוד תשתיות ועוד אויב, כל דבר בעצם שיכול להשתמש. וכבר לא מפתיע שבעצם כל אזור שאתה מגיע אליו אתה מוצא עוד ועוד ועוד מאותו הדבר. מדהים לראות את הכמויות. 
משרד הבריאות הפיץ נוהל לטיפול רפואי במחבלי חמאס המוחזקים בישראל. מדווחת כתבתנו לענייני בריאות על אור מאירסון. המחבלים יקבלו טיפול במידת הצורך במתקן הרפואי בשדה תימן, שם הם מוחזקים, על ידי צוות רפואי שגויס בצו שמונה. אנשי הצוות יוכלו לשמור על אלמוניות. המחבלים יועברו לקבלת טיפול רפואי בבית חולים רק במצבים בהם לא ניתן יהיה לתת להם את הטיפול הנדרש בשדה תימן, ואם תשקף סכנה לחייהם או הסיכוי שתיגרם להם נכות חמורה ובלתי הפיכה. העברה תבוצע עם ליווי ביטחוני מתאים. ועד ראשי האוניברסיטאות אישר לפני שעה קלה כי הועלתה הצעה לפתיחת שנת הלימודים האקדמית בשתי פעימות, הראשונה ב-31 בדצמבר, ולאחר כשלושה שבועות יצאו הקמפוסים לרגילה אקדמית ויאפשרו חזרה מדורגת של המילואימניקים. אלחנן פיילהיימר, יושב ראש התאחדות הסטודנטים הארצית, אמר בגלי צה"ל, אנחנו מקווים שעד מחר נגיע למתווה מוסכם. 50% ממוסדות ההשכלה הגבוהה כבר פתחו בעצם את שנת הלימודים עד השלישי בדצמבר. יתר המוסדות האקדמיים הצהירו שהם יפתחו ב-31 בדצמבר, כשחלקם ביטאו כבר דחייה נוספת לאמצע ינואר לבקשת צה"ל לטובת התחשבות נוספת בסטודנטים משרתי המילואים, כי אולי יהיה צפי במועד הזה לשחרור של חלק ניכר מהסטודנטים משרתי המילואים. כרגע זה עדיין במשא ומתן, מקווה שכבר היום מחר נדע לאן זה הולך. כתבתנו לענייני חינוך יובל מילר מזכירה שכ-70 אלף סטודנטים מגויסים למילואים וכי ההיתכנות לדחייה גורפת של שנת הלימודים מכלול הסטודנטים נמוכה מאוד. מזג האוויר, רוחות מזרחיות חזקות מנשבות בצפון ובערים. בלילה יחדשו קצת הרוחות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. Um, that's our news from Israel. Give me one second here. I gotta, you're preoccupied with that. I'm preoccupied with this. Um, okay. We lost another uh, soldier today. Yeah. So this is, you know, We wake up in the United States, and obviously we're, we're hearing the reports. It, it, it sounds like the uh, announcements are made on the news all through the morning here. Uh, now we're ready. It's uh, past 2 o'clock in Israel. Any details in the newscast that you want to tell us about? Or unfortunately, aside from the announcements that unfortunately we're, I don't know if we're getting used to them, but that we're hearing so often, that's what dominated the headline news. No, it's, it's important to remember that... Uh Any time that someone <coughs> falls in the war, the media tries very hard to give a, a, a picture of who that person was. Like here, the, there was a funeral today for a soldier from HMS, so they interviewed his wife, his, uh, his widow. And she described him, you know, how wonderful a father he was. And it, it's so important, I think it's so important for us not to lose sight of what differentiates us from our enemy is the... The honor and the respect that we give to each one of our people and even when God forbid they're they're killed their body is also something that's given respect that we negotiate to get bodies released to because we give give cover to a person even we give honor to a person even after they're killed yeah and I I find that very comforting that at least the general media is trying very hard to paint a picture of who these people are When uh, Alicia Lowenstern was killed last week and his wife, his widow, was interviewed, you sent, you sent me the recording of that. It was, it was something which, which made such an impression on people. It was just uh, it was unbelievable. And that's so important for us to keep in mind 
who these these were people. These were people. They were fathers. They were sons. They were. They were part of. They were part of many different communities. It's just so important for us to keep that in mind. When you walk through Ben Gurion Airport, so on every post, on the walkway, and there are many many posts. There is one sign on each post dedicated to uh, a hostage. Right. And obviously, the first time I saw it, there were a lot more signs up. Now you could tell that there are, you know, empty posts because obviously some of the hostages have been released are back in Israel. So today, as I'm walking, I had more of an opportunity to see the names because there are fewer names. And one of the names I see is Hadar Golden. They are not just commemorating those. And I said to the person who was with me, I said, Hadar Golden, like, you know, this is supposed to be hostages from this war, no? And they said, no, it's Suketan, Hadar Golden. You know, we want the body back. And I'm like, wow, that's exactly right. It's not just the, we as a family do not just focus on, on, the, on the losses and those that we long for for their return, um, you know, from this war. But really, you know, as we know, prayed for many years and continue to pray for the MIAs. Who, uh, right, we saw Zachary Bamel's grave correct. when we visited her, her Herzl. Correct. Still, Yehuda Katz is still missing. Yeah. He was in yeshiva with me 40-something years ago. I mean, it's just, uh, <clears throat> this, and, and, and this is what, what fascinates me that when the world looks at us versus Hamas and they see what Hamas is doing using people as human shields and putting bombs and who knows what Keeping schools. humanitarian aid away from them. Exactly. Using the humanitarian, you saw, I don't know if you saw the video of them building this tunnel, which really reminded me of when they built tunnels in New York. You, <laughs> right. know, like, you know, it was crazy. What the, you know how much money that costs? And that money could have gone to their people, but it's not, that's not what they do. And we... Even the people who are dead are important to us. Isn't it crazy? They're taking away basic food necessities, essentials from their people. And in this country, everyone's running <laughs> to make barbecues and to bring food and donuts and distribute this. And it's crazy. It is unbelievable. There are people who think of every excuse not to help others. Hamas, a perfect example of that. Maybe I'd even say an extreme example. And there are people who make excuses, who find an excuse to help others, to go out of their way. For it. You know, I'm with Leora Tedji. And I'm saying to myself, my gosh, the simcha that she's getting right now, knowing that these coats are going to children who need them. It's crazy. She doesn't know these kids. Mm -hmm. But the joy that she has in, in facilitating the giving is unbelievable. And, of course, she has that feeling every week because you know what happens Thursday morning at uh, – at her headquarters, there are hundreds of families that are being fed each week. That's right. Because of her. Hundreds of volunteers, uh, tens of volunteers come to, to help arrange those packages. Yeah. yeah. And so, there was, I don't know if you saw the pictures that Leora sent, uh, I think she posted in her WhatsApp status, when she did, they did some sort of like a show, I guess. Right, just lift that, yeah. yeah. It was some kind of show that they did for, for kids who were, who were in a hotel, who were staying in a hotel that came from a certain community. And, the smile on her face, right. the smile on her face was unbelievable. I mean, she was just yeah. so happy that she knew that these kids were experiencing something positive. And it's not like she knew them. It's not like they were friends And by the way, this is as she's going through the anxiety and stress of trying to hold this together financially. Yes. As she needs help to keep it going. By the way, let's give them a plug as or well. It is uh, terror-victims.org.il. terror victims .org.il, whatever you could do to help Leora Tedji and her family, 
That I can tell you honestly, every single dollar is used to help 100%. people. And I'm talking about basic needs. And Leora Tedgy is just one in, 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 thank God, in many, many great people that we have in this country yeah. who dropped everything to to do whatever they could, whether it's for soldiers or for people who were displaced or and the wounded. I know, I know someone in our near, in our neighborhood of Nachalot that got a phone call that uh, that there's a lady from Ashkelon who's who has a family and she she just mentally cannot be in Ashkelon and you know she's just too and and too nerve wracking. And, and they asked him for his apartment, Nachalot, very nice apartment. He he gave it to her for free. I mean, there's just some good people out there. Or doing good stuff. I know somebody with an apartment in Jerusalem, and they never, ever want to stay anywhere else. And they certainly would not ask somebody, you know. But now their apartment they gave to somebody <laughs> right. from the south or north. And now they've they have no place to stay. Now they've accepted <laughs> the offer of somebody else who has oh, an apartment to stay nice. in their apartment because they felt, all right, now we have no choice. Yeah, I remember you told me about this. I'm glad they accepted the offer. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so, something. Let's listen. Sure. It's impossible to describe. I mean, um, we know a little about it just from the people in our neighborhood who are doing chesed for for people who are in Nachlaot, who are, have been moved to Nachlaot. And now, thank God, a lot of them, some of them have moved back. But while they were here, it's such a horrible feeling to be displaced. Even if you're in a luxurious apartment, you're not home. Of course. And be it ever so humble. Exactly. And it's uh, as much. People are trying so hard with food and, and you know, organizing. For, for people, there's a lady who had a shoe store. I think I don't, I don't know if I told you the story. I don't know if I told on the air, but there's a lady who had a shoe store in Nativot. And right before Sukkot, she ordered like 400 pairs of shoes for kids and, and, and women. That's who she sells to. And all of a sudden, the, you know, she has 400 pairs of shoes. She can't sell them. So a couple of people here in Yerushalayim organized a shoe sale for her. <laughs> she came with... She had to go down, get the shoes, and bring them back, and she sold all the shoes in a sale that was organized by mostly Anglo uh, Anglo volunteers. But with all that chesed and with everything like that, you're still, you know, you're still struggling with being displaced. Did you see the hotel staff that enjoyed a meal? Oh, I saw that. Courtesy yeah. of the displaced people who were served. The displaced people served them a Correct. meal as a as yeah. a thank you. Listen, that's a... Uh, I'm telling you, they say Mikam Chay Yisrael, right? Mm-hmm. They say Mikam Chay Yisrael. It's, it's true. And then you, you, you take it as, you know, you compare it to what's going on on the other side of this conflict. And just, it's baffling why people don't see the difference. But then again, you know, we don't, we don't really care about them because we give, we give 300 prisoners away for, to get back 100 <laughs> or to get back 50, whatever it is. So we don't, we don't, Right. <laughs> remember that? We have no value, right? But it's just, it's, uh, I'm glad we're on this side. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and it is remarkable. The hatred is so great that the, the world doesn't get the difference. Uh, pretty remarkable. More coming up. You're listening to JM and the AM. It is a Wednesday morning broadcast on this 20th day of December, day number eight in the month of Teves. If you go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, take advantage of the fact that it's almost the end of the year. Give your tax-actable donations so we can continue doing our great work. FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org. And, of course, everything you give between now and the end of the year will be doubled. Take advantage, FJBUnity.org, and we thank you. (laughs) 
Sometimes when you're feeling all alone You need some happiness to call your own Oh, nothing is going the way it should You're trying to do the best you could Lift up your eyes to the sky Your life's in his hands Trust in him and he will reply Guiding all your steps Always at your side You are his joy and pride And don't you know You're never alone It doesn't matter where you are There's nothing in his eyes More special than you Oh, wherever you go Hashem goes with you Sometimes when you're feeling all alone Anima mi, anima mi, 
JM in the AM with Bekarov Mamish done by, oh, sorry about that. There we go. Bekarov Mamish done by Avremo, Avram Fried, Zalman Pollock before that with Am Hanetzach. Ani Mamin from Naftali Kempa, and you're never alone. The cover of the great Avram Fried song done by Shmuley Schneider here at JM in the AM. Uh, Tuesday, excuse me, Wednesday morning broadcast. We are in our temporary studio in Jerusalem, Nefesh Benefesh headquarters. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is going to join us. A moment ago, I thought we were going to wish him a Mazal Tov because yet another book has been published. This one about the incredible Rabbi Yehuda Kelmer, Zecher Tzadik Livracha. Uh, but then we found out the news that Rabbi Teller's daughter got engaged last night. So we're going to have to start with that Mazal Tov wish and then move on to the brand new book. It's amazing how we're able to uh, adjust and pivot here at JM in the AM. More coming up are by David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zevin of Alevi and Zechonishmas Esther Basar of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We say every day in Shemona Esrei, Borcheinu Avinu, bless us our Father, Kulonu Ke'echod, all of us as one, Be'or Panecho, with the light of your countenance. Rabbeinu Yonah says in Shari Tshuva that when there is Ha'aras Panim, when Hashem shines His face upon us, when the Shekhinah is with us, that's made possible through the Schus of Achdus, unity, when we are Kulonu Ke'echod, we are like one. At that time, Hashem does not accept any accusations whatsoever against Klau Yisrael. Concerning the Ha'aras Panim, the Pnine Tfila says that Klal Yisrael is compared to the Levana, the moon. Just like the Levana receives its light from the sun, so too Klal Yisrael receives its light, its existence, its vitality, its spiritual essence from the light that Hashem reveals to us. This is all according to how much we prepare and refine ourselves, how much we strive for complete unity and achdus in Klau Yisrael. Parents of one of the very special chayalim taught a lesson in Achtus as they viewed the belongings of their son when he returned home briefly from battle. There was a pair of tzitzits from Adaret in Yerushalayim. There were soft-covered gemaras from Art Scroll. Warm socks donated by a community in Argentina. A fleece jacket gifted by a high-tech company, undershirts from a manufacturer, and gloves that were brought by the students of a Beis Yaakov school. It's a picture of Achtus, of Klau Yisrael around the world, coming together like no other nation in the entire world. In this Zuchus, we ask Hashem, Borcheinu avinu kulanu ke'echad, May all of the members of the Tzva Haganali Yisrael be successful in their missions and return home safe and sound. May all of the hostages immediately be released and return home safe and sound. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. I spoke to Rabbi Goldwasser a couple of days ago. I thanked them for including something about the soldiers every single day when he gives us morning chizuk during this time. It's really remarkable. 
uh, the way he weaves uh, our care and concern for the soldiers into every one of his divrei Torah, and I cannot thank him enough for that, and I know the audience appreciates it greatly. Rabbi Chanoch Teller, the aforementioned Rabbi Teller, is in our studio here at Nefesh Benefesh headquarters in Jerusalem. What an opportunity for us to reunite with Rabbi Teller here in the Holy City. I mentioned he has a brand new book, which we'll discuss in a moment, and wish him a mazel tov for that. But first, Rabbi, a mazel tov to you on your daughter's engagement last night. Thank you very much. Thank you. And for those who don't know, uh, let's put it this way. As a father, you're an expert when it comes to <laughs> engagements. <laughs> You've been through this many, many times, thank God. It happened very quickly, and I called people up for the vart. I said, I'm never going to call you again for a vart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one second. The first one got engaged uh, in what year? Do you remember how long ago it was? We celebrated a milestone two weeks ago. My first grandson got married two weeks ago. So we have, and this, so that was my book and my oldest daughter, and now it's my youngest daughter. So, with, do, uh, so do the math. In the no, yeah. Holy cow. Actually, my daughter, the Kala, the one who just got engaged, is younger than my grandson. And she was born an aunt. Right. She's an aunt who's younger than her nephew. Correct. Wow. Well, in a family like yours, Canine Hara, we'd expect, just, we'd I, expect that type of thing, I heard right? his story. I heard it. All the aberrations <laughs> when it comes to family life <laughs> are reflected in the Teller family, right? Yeah. So someone <laughs> told me that, that there was a, uh, a wedding, where, a reform wedding, and the rabbi was pregnant. There was a conservative wedding, and the kala was pregnant. It was an Orthodox wedding, and the mother was pregnant. Kala's <laughs> mother. I can't believe I just said that on the radio. I know. Be careful. But all right. It is what it is. Everyone understands. It's a little bit of comedic humor. That's all okay. it is. You know. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, the brand new book is about an, in, an incredible man. And you know how we always say you don't know the greatness of a man until they're, until they're gone? But in Rabbi Kellimer's case, and we're talking about Rabbi Yehuda Kellimer, who I know means a lot to a lot of people in this audience, it really is true in his case. He lived, just from what we know, and I, and I knew him, I didn't know him well, but I knew him, and just from what we know, and the stories we heard during his lifetime, it was obvious that he was such a humble man, a king of humility, I'm sure you, you reflect that in the, Correct. in the story, and then when he passed away, and so devastating, by the way, for the West Hempstead community when he passed away. It was, Correct. It was, I mean, it was really devastating for many people in the broader Jewish community, but certainly West Hempstead. He, West Hempstead, because Rami Kellimer was very well known among the rabbinic elite. He was a posik of the highest caliber, but he really focused on his one community of West Hempstead. He really built it, right? He built it. It swelled under his, under his leadership to 750 families. Right. It's pretty remarkable. And today, boy, it's booming. Yeah. A lot of young people moving in there now as well. And I, I think about some of the stories I've heard about him since his passing. One in particular, I, I can't get out of my mind. I mean, is it true that he would go after Marv on Friday night and walk quite a distance? Quite a distance? Miles and miles. And it didn't matter if it was storming and raining and torrential, he went. I mean, someone told me that in order to do these visits to the hospitals, he sometimes had police escorts just to keep him safe and to you know, light up the road at times. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but... but the that part, part I never heard. But, but he, the part about going miles after davening, before Kiddush. Correct. He once, he once, there was this, I have a story, it's in the book. I mean, there's a lot of stories in this I book. I imagine. He, uh, he, he, he had the worst cars in the world. He was also wasn't the best driver. But uh, he had a car that had the aerodynamics of the Hoover Dam. And it, it was, you know, Comfort was, you know, obviously designed by John Deere. It was Alta Schmata, and they, the shul couldn't take it. And they bought him a, a, 
a, a real car. car. <laughs> a real car, a Chevrolet Malibu. I mean, that, that's... Okay, that's, that's a real a, car. But it's like, you know, like real right. Kia, a Kia Rio, but it doesn't matter. And the next day he shows up to Shul in his Alta Jalopy. And he said, what's going... You know, Rabbi Kellimer could spin straw into gold, but how do you make gold into straw? He said, I can't drive a new car. There's people in the community who can't afford Sar Limud, who can't send their kids to summer camp. I'm going to drive a new car. And same thing also. They, with his ever-expanding family, they wanted to increase the salary. He said, there's people who can't afford this, can't afford that. I'm not taking a new car. But he drove these cars, and they would always break down. So one time, he's going on Arab Shabbos. On the, he's coming back to uh, West Hempstead. And in Limbrook, the car gasped its last... And of course, there was a storm. He threw his mooks into the car, and he's walking and walking. And every single truck is giving a tidal wave at him. And there's, you know, it's just terrible. When he finally shows up in West Hempstead, three hours after the show is already over, his appetite would have sent him home. But he went, there was a Shalom Zachar. He walked in. He had a very warm sense of humor. He walked in. He looked like he just emerged from the Atlantic Ocean. And he said, I'm sorry I'm late. You know, he would do anything not to miss, not to miss a simcha in the community. I'm sorry I'm late. But there were cops all along the way, and they're handing out tickets. I couldn't go too fast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize he had a sense of humor. It's funny you say that. Yeah, he had a sense of humor. And his, I mean, again, I'm no expert on this, but you're more of an expert after writing this book. His knowledge of Torah. Encyclopedic. And his ability to transmit it. He was, he had, not only was he a world-class post that Rav Yashu said you can sm- uh, rely upon, he had all Dalit Chilke Shulchan on his fingertips, but the most esoteric things he knew. There's a story that we write that Ari Zivotovsky. We know Ari, sure. Ari is the brother of the fame. I'm sorry, Ari Zivotovsky, famous in Jerusalem, passport right. fame. Right. His brother, Donny Zivotovsky, sure. is a large animal veterinarian. Uh-huh. Among his clients were the Ringling Brothers Circus. Seriously. And the Belmont uh-huh. Race by Thoroughbreds. Wow. And he came home for college intercession from veterinary school. And he asked Rabbi Kellimer some questions about neutering. You have to imagine, this is a somewhat abstruse, abstruse yeah. esoteric. Not a common topic. <laughs> and he said, you know, he said, look at Evan Ezer, Simon Aleph, Sifkat and Hay, like, like, like that. It's amazing. And did I mention esoteric? You know, whatever yeah. it was. Written, one important to mention. Rabbi J.J. Schachter said that Rabbi Kellimer had the magic of making a psak work. Wow. And that's why every rabbi knew to call him. So great pose, great lamdin, but this incredible chesed, and I know people talk about chesed, etc., but this, to the degree that we're describing, meaning the miles of walking and never mm. missing a simcha, etc., mm. and understanding how important that both those things were, and so many other things, I'm sure, to his congregants. You know, not every lamdin who's a, who's, who's a great shul mm. rav is a great pastoral rav, you know? Correct. I mean, he had the whole package right. in a way that of dedication. Five-tool player, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> when he was in Boston, he was finishing at the Hara at 1 o'clock in the morning, and someone said to him, sort of rhetorically, I assume you're going home now, Rabbi. Before West Hempstead, he was Rabbi in Young Israel, Brookline. I'm actually going to Shabbos to Brookline. Wow. To the Anyways, to make a long story long, so I assume <laughs> you're going to do a Tara. And he said, well, actually, a woman called me from New York. Boston, as you know, is the college capital of America. No, he said, I assume you're going home. Yes, we're going right, home. Right. So he said, well, actually, I'm not, because a woman called me up in New York, and she said that her son is in university, and his friends are going out drinking, which is not a wise idea. Right. Uh, it's also very hard on the liver. And the mm-hmm. kid is a diabetic, which could be Halila, a hypoglycemic, glycematic attack. Right. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, that could be fatal. So she said, I don't know where he is. So Sherlock Kellimer, you know, in his black jacket, <laughs> jacket and hat, is going through all the bars of Boston. Now, Boston is a... University town. 
It's also Irish-American town. There's probably more bars in Boston than there are in Dublin. And he just went for a boy he didn't know, looking. I don't know the end of the story. But who would, this is your point, who would undertake such a mission looking for a boy to spare him from uh, drinking when he shouldn't be drinking? Rabbi Hanoch Teller is here. The brand new book is about Rabbi Yehuda Kelmer. It's called If Not Higher. You know, we talk about feeling the pain of others. And this war that the Jewish people, I would say, but certainly everybody here in Israel is involved with, um, I think everyone's involved to some degree. Um, it, a lot of it is about feeling the pain of others. The chesed that goes on is trying to alleviate the pain of others. And feeling the pain of others. Right. Like it's our own pain. Correct. And it's something we could relate to because now it's so mm. acute because of the war, but in reality it's like that every single day if we just open up our eyes to it. Right. And this has been a big, wide eye-opener. To say the least. Um, I see. Do you, do you normally co-write books or not? Uh, no. Because <laughs> uh, you've written over 30 books, you know. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just making sure. Coincidentally, I'm, yeah, I am aware. Uh, but here it's Dr. Stuart Apfel who gets a credit in addition to you. Correct. So what happened was Dr. Apfel, who's a wonderful person, happens to be the brother of a machutin of mine, uh, he collected people in the community, sent in emails of their reminiscences of Rabbi Apfel. Wow. Pardon me, Rabbi, Rabbi Kellerman. Right. They sent it in, and he edited it, and so... It, was, it really wasn't so much of a book, but uh, I was able to try and weave what he wrote and collected and collated oh. with, I did interviews with people, right. and put it together. So the two of you are greater than the sum of your parts, as they say. Oh, I'm, I'm to be in the same breath as Dr. Apfel is wonderful for me, a wonderful person. Dr. Stuart Apfel and Hanoch Teller on uh, the life of the stories and insights. Or are you here at Kellimer of Blessed Memory? The book is called If Not Higher. How do people get the book? Uh, Feldheim is the distributor. Should be in Jewish bookstores. You could also find it on Amazon or at my website, www.hanachteller.com. H A N O C H. That is correct. Teller.com. I always call these books Musrasvarim. Is it inappropriate for me to call them that, to put them in that category? Because it really is an incredible Musr. I say it in a positive way, by the way. 100%. For those of us who are looking to, you know, achieve a goal in the Two era- major Gedolim. At the Vart last night said to me, this book is too hard. It's just too hard. The Musser from this book, what he did, his Monsieur Snefish. It was off the charts. One Rosh Hashiva said, I never will ever get to his Karsulayim. I can't get to his heels of the legendary stories. And people think we're exaggerating, but it's, but it's in, as you've described yeah. and I told, it, to the degree that he did things in order to help people was, was remarkable. And there's an addition to being a shul rabbi, which has its own responsibility. And a, a world-class posek. Right. Correct. Getting shyles all night long. He actually wasn't the kind of rabbi you spoke at a normal conventional 7 o'clock in the evening, but at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, his phone is ringing. Yeah, understood. Boy, what a life to write about. And um, for those who don't know, oh, we'll get to the event. Thank you. <laughs> those who don't know about Rabbi Kellimer, if you're outside the West Hempstead community, uh, get the book. It'll be one that uh, you will cherish. Now, there's an event going on. Rabbi Hanoch Teller doesn't just travel to the United States. He travels to the United States with a purpose. And uh, this time around, um, you're going to be joined by distinguished rabbis and leaders of the Five Towns community in a memorial tribute to Rabbi Kellimer happening on January the 1st, which is a Monday, I believe. January the 1st, starting at 7.30 p.m. at 140 Central Avenue in Lawrence, New York. The presentations will include, uh, will include um, the following rabbis, Rabbi Yaakov Bender, Rabbi Naftali Yeager, 
Rabbi Ari Leibowitz, Rabbi Yaakov Trump, and of course, Rabbi Hanoch Teller visiting from Jerusalem. So January 1st, it's sort of like a... Uh, it's it'll be the a week of his yard site, but, ah. it's, but it's 7.30, 8.30. It's not, people should not be scared off. There's going to be long speeches. It's, right. He deserves this tribute. Uh, people, like we said, not, he was somewhat not well-known outside of West Hempstead. So we're going to give the final tribute that uh, he certainly deserves. Now, ironically, you're spending Shabbos in West Hempstead. I'm actually spending... Shabbos in Fairlawn. I'm going to be speaking Motzi Shabbos ah, in West Hempstead. Oh, how'd you do your research? No, no, you told us that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, okay. thought was, I thought it was Shabbos in West Hempstead. No. All my research that I did, it was totally wrong. <laughs> so Fairlawn for Shabbos, and then mm. Saturday night, you'll be at West Hempstead right. for a discussion about the book and no doubt much more. Um, so there you have it, everybody. The book is called, If Not Higher, Stories and Insights of Yehuda Kellermer, somebody who is very, very dear to many people in this audience, written by Dr. Stuart Apfel and Hanoch Teller on the 1st of January, which is a Monday night, Central Avenue out in the Five Towns, or by Teller and many other distinguished rabbis will recall the life of Rabbi Kellermer, who left us at, do we know what, what his age was? I believe 74. 74 years old. Literally built a community and one that, uh, as we say, flourishing. Flourishing, yeah, which is thriving. Amazing. Incredible. Wonderful to see you. Thank you so much. You know, it was, I rode my bike here this time. When I have to see you in the city or see you in Jersey, I got to rent a car. I got to find parking. I got to get a ticket, you know. It scares me thinking that you rode a bike in Jerusalem with this mm-hmm. traffic outside. Was it, it, mm-hmm. went, it went well? No it problem. It was okay, yeah. Where's that bike now? You parked it outside? I chained it outside, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure. Um, ironic that I, uh, I uh, arrive in the Holy Land and you are leaving later today from mm. the Holy Land. But it uh, must be tough to leave at a time like this. Am I right? That I feel terrible to leave, but uh, I want people to know about this book. I've no, so that I understand. Yeah. But when you say you feel terrible, because you normally do and now it's worse or now it's really... No, I just... Uh, this whole achtut of Klai Yisrael, which is so endearing to me, and uh, I feel like I'm really part of it. Like we're doing things in our own pro- you know, modest way in our home, in our community... Uh, with my students, uh, I don't want to leave the action now. Wow. I don't know if you heard the show earlier, but uh, I said something on Hanukkah that I'm taking credit for. So next Hanukkah, feel free to quote me. If we say, Rabin biad ma'atim, and Tameim biad tahorim, and Rishon biad tzadikim, why on earth do we have to say, Zaydim biad oskei Anybody who's oskei is in the category of a tzadik or or a Tahar, right? And the answer is that, that these wars, the one that the Maccabim fought and the one that our soldiers are fighting right now, they take people who are not normally um, intertwined with our heritage and tradition and our ritual, and they make them Oske Tarasecha. Wow. With Tfilin, Tzitzis, Afrash Eschala, Nero Shabbos, and everything else that you're mm-hmm. seeing, you, you must be seeing people take on ritual that they've never done before, right? Which is pretty Absolutely. remarkable. Which is really remarkable. So, a lot of Oske Torasecha have, and that's what you're enjoying, seeing the Oske Torasecha increase like Absolutely. crazy. Yes. Uh, and even if not, just these yeah. are our boys that are. Uh, and the unity, and of course right. the chesed. Uh, how many seminaries in Yeshivot do you see on a regular basis now? About seven or eight. Yeah, which is a less. Uh, than Much less, yeah, it's down a lot. Seriously? I, in my heyday, I was. It used to be 15, 20? 17. Really? Yeah, but it's just part time. It's one, you know, one hour a week. In each. 
Your your whole life always fascinates <laughs> us. That's why I always go crazy. <laughs> Wonderful to see you, and thanks for joining us oh, this morning. What a pleasure. What a show. Rabbi, I appreciate it. Rabbi Chanoch the book is called If Not Higher, a book about the life of Rabbi Yehuda Kellimer, written by Chanoch Teller and Dr. Stuart Apfel. January the 1st, the event. We'll try to remind you as we get closer. Uh, that's going to be on Central Avenue in the Five Towns. Uh, remembering the amazing Rabbi Kellermer. More coming up. Rabbi Fass is going to join us. We're at the Nefesh Benefesh Studios, and you are listening to JM in the AM.
Salcellus Jr. wrapping up the hour at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. 
Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and AlchemySingle.com and the AlchemySingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. I was about to say, I was about to announce, I was about to announce that we're less than $100 away from 70000 yeah. And I figured, okay, I'll give it, right? Because we're less than 100 bucks away. Finally get to the 70 Then I see we're at 68900 I thought it was 69900 oh. So my math skills, again, betray me. Or my lack of math skills betray me. How much is that? Right now, 1082 Come on, there's got to be $1,082 out there somewhere. For you yeah, know. there is somewhere. Problem is these days it's very hard to find it. Um, we have a uh, very special guest in our temporary studio here at Nefesh Benefesh headquarters in Jerusalem, Israel. He is somebody who has joined us before on prior occasions when we have visited this facility. He is the uh, co-founder, the man in charge, the person who inspires an entire Jewish nation. He is the one and only Rabbi Yoshua Josh Fass. After all these years, I still don't know if I should use your Hebrew or English name. Is that funny? I still don't know which one I should use as the primary introduction. Give me a second just to think this through. What would you? Th- what would you think? What would you the pro- the pri- You're now introducing our. Let, you know, let's say Rabbi Fass is nominated for a Hall of Fame, and I'm asked to induct him. Do I? Do I? Uh, right, a very prominent ceremony. Do I? There's use an Aliyah Hall of Fame now. Is there an Aliyah Hall of Fame? There should be an Aliyah Hall. Of Fame. Sandy Kovacs' yes, jersey. They have that the, thing every summer. You have these awards. What's it called? The Boneola. Yeah. Boneola. Bonizion. Please. Sorry, Bonizion. That's Zion is Olam. Because I'm very uncomfortable with this whole conversation. Oh, but but you, sh- you just know. But isn't that a good thing? They actually created a Hall of Fame without realizing that they created a Hall of Fame. I think. I think that. Uh, you should call him Josh because that's how you know him. Josh. Uh, okay. But so uh, I officially Fass. changed and all my documentation from Josh to Yehoshua. Not Facebook, did you? Yeah, yeah. Do you know when? Facebook's also Yehoshua? I don't know. I don't use Facebook. I'm like, one of those introverts with social media. Yeah, I didn't see it. Um, Someone must have. We had like a bunch of likes. I mean. So they, they when I was on the March of the Living, around 20... <sighs> 24 years ago you on were, one of the trips. You were a rabbi? I was an educator. I was uh, the southern region educator. And when we were in the Warsaw Cemetery, it bec- it's fascinating to see as centuries evolve how the names become, uh, how, they, how they change from the Hebrew, Yiddish, to then the more um, Polish names. And right. I just I was moved by that point to just... To hunker down with my roots and to have, uh, but uh, dear friends still call me Josh. Even some call me Joshy. It depends on which age they've. Uh, well, now that you're in this official capacity as a regular guest. Um, uh, for me, it should be. Fun. You're doing great. You do both. I like that. Yeah, Yoshua, Josh, Josh, Yoshua. It's interesting. Are your parents aware that you made this move to go strictly with Yoshua? Are they aware of this? No. They're not aware of it. My wife does. Right, but, well, but she didn't name you. I'm, I'm saying are your, if your parents would be – let's say your parents are listening right now and they'd be aware of this. Would they would – they re- No, they just probably think it's natural when I got to Israel. Right. It's uh, – that's, it, the, that's the progression. Yeah. Interesting. You're a fascinating man. Thank you so much. On a much more serious topic. Ho- hold on for a second. What we were talking about before I got on the air, we were talking about the campaign. 
Yeah. yeah. What's going on? What are we missing? Well, uh, well <laughs> you don't want to know what we're missing. $331,000. No. You don't know what we're missing. At the moment, it was uh, it was uh, uh, a, a thousand, goal. a goal for today of a thousand and help me with the math, 88 and 88? No. Yeah. 82. dollars $1,082. So I was holding, uh, this maybe we would do it later on in the show, but the, the contribution that Nefesh gave for the campaign was only part one. Wow. So Tell me was... there's five parts. Tell me there's five parts. Oh, no. There's one and a half parts. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> no, it's one and one eighth. Wait a second. We're here next week also. There has to be five parts. No, no, parts. I'm not here next week. I'm not here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm here. Of course I'm here. <laughs> he, he wants to have dinner next week. Of course he's here next no, week. No, Josh has to give and Yoshua has to correct. give. That's two parts. That's adorable. Rabbi Fass is the third part. <laughs> Batsheva <laughs> is the fourth part. Uh, That's uh, So are you so, announcing something now, Rabbi? No, I'm just telling you. Whatever I gave as as the first no, part no, of no, the let's, contribution. Let's hold off. We'll okay. hold off on this till next week. Why? Because psychologically, I need the boost next week. You need very, the boost. Next week's going to be very hard. Fine. So I, I retract that. Yeah. Do you mind? I give nothing. Do I mind? I, I, I was ready to go. As, but as CFO, <laughs> do you mind? I give nothing. So I'm, I'm friends with Rabbi Fass. So, so you were Yotze last week. <laughs> of, all Talk the to thing, me. of all the things we've discussed off the air, mm-hmm. and you and I, in all seriousness, have had some... Very meaningful conversations in the last 20 plus years. Is it 20 years? Yeah. 20, 20 years, 22 years, yeah. years. I think the first time we actually had a formal meeting was in Jerusalem in 2002. Maybe it was even 01. I don't even know. Anyway, one of the most heartbreaking things you've ever said to me, and unfortunately, not just from this war, but through the difficulties that Israel's had over the years and we know each other, there have been a lot of heartbreaking moments. But you tell me about, and we hear every day, we, I have to tell you, you wake up to it every single day, the reports of who has lost their life, who has fallen in battle in defense of the Jewish people and the state of Israel and the land of Israel. And you tell me that as you're visiting a Shiva house, I think it was at the Shiva house, um, someone reminds you that the young man who fell in battle you actually spent time with him walking to shul. He, when he was 10 years old, he, he would pick me up old. Shabbos afternoon. I found it funny. And he this, would, this is not a criticism. Yeah. I found it funny you didn't remember it. But I don't were, remember anything. Okay, so that's it. You know, and, and, you know, and, it's, and for you. No, but the moment they started saying the story, then I was like, oh, of back course. To you. Of course. So this is someone that you knew as a 10-year-old. Yeah. And somebody who grew up in your shul, obviously. Yeah. And, and someone who joined you for a, a pretty cool thing. This is a pre-Shabbos year. Is that what happened? I, I gave a Shabbos oh, afternoon oh, Shabbos Mishnah afternoon. class Shabbos to, afternoon. to young kids. I misunderstood. I thought it was a Friday and, thing. And the story even continues because I, I told the class, it was, I, it, I felt it was nice to do multi-generational teaching. And I felt that I, I, I should roll up my sleeves, sit on a small chair, and give Mr. Class Shabbos afternoon to, to young kids. Besides, and that, that, then that was right before I gave the Tanakh or Shabbos afternoon shir to adults. And I t- promised the kids that we would go on a fishing trip <laughs> if we finished Masechet Shabbos, Mishnayos. Wow. And they held me to it. Now, the day that we went fishing, it was horrible, horrible 
rocky waters and waves to a point that we were all losing losing our lunch. Remember radio. I'm sorry. And there were a few kids, and to a point that we were begging the captain to come back. Wow. Because we just, I remember I was on on the floor holding onto a pole, um, and and he returned like 80% of us. And there were like three kids that, that wanted to stay on. They're like, no, we finished. We made a CM. We're doing the whole day. And he was one of the kids. And those are the ones who became the Chayel. Did you catch anything? And those are the, and those are the ones who became the Chayel. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. It's, 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 it's. Josh, it's, as Yigal said earlier today, it's us. These are, the, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, anybody, anybody, you know, with our background, who are blessed, and, and please God, it'll happen to me as well, who are blessed to have children in Israel and grandchildren in Israel. You sit at that shiva house, God forbid, you could be looking at yourself. Or it's, could be it's, at yourself. it's such sustained heartache. It's, um, I was talking to Yigal beforehand. The new normal is just unbearable. It's very different from the beginning, the first times that we talked after the war. I think we were all just shocked by the barbarism and just the brutality and the sheer number that was lost. Now this new normal is just horrible. I'm telling you, it's just horrible. Um, because it's a necessity of pain to accomplish what we need to do for existentialism. We need to survive. How long it takes us to get to that point that we have stability and calmness. We know that there's going to be every morning those horrible words, you know, Tyler, that we can publicize, that we told the families that these are the people who passed away yesterday. And the only way to stop that is if we don't accomplish the goal. And then you know that there can be even more horrific outcomes if we don't accomplish it. So you're, you're damned either way. The better and there's, of all horrible choices. Yeah, exactly. And there's losses. And there's such beautiful, beautiful gems every day. It's just like, God, why are the best, why the best? The best of the us. Best, the best. And it's just, and you, and we, the world is so small. And we know, we know so many either because a kid walked to shul with me on Shabbos, or today we were supposed to have a meeting, and last night one of the people, a critical per- person in the meeting, said, my neighbor just was killed. I- I- I'm going to Levaya tomorrow. I can't come. It's just so close. It's so proximal, and the pain is just so heart-wrenching. Unbearable. And, 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 and you, you're not numbed by it, you can't be numbed. You don't want to be numbed by it. But it's just, just, it's just sustained, and it's just horrible. And this shiva house that I was at, the Zenelman family, for Ari Hashem Damam. So he was telling me that two days beforehand, a dear classmate of his was visiting him for shiva, and when I was there, a couple of days later. It was a day that his classmate lost his son. Oh, my gosh. So Heshi Lowenstern's son, Alicia, passed away. Two days after he visited, he said, so when I get up from Shiva, I have to go visit the person who was Menachem Oti, who consoled me two days prior. 
it, it's a cycle of just of just heartbreak and and that's just the the visceral emotional pain of loss forget about all the single moms for the last two months who are at a breaking point breaking point i can tomorrow there's a group called Neshei Chayel. They just made themselves up. You don't know this? Tomorrow there's a group for just the Anglos of wives and mothers of chay- wives of Chayalim just so that they have a, a day off. There are 900 people that are registered to come tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be insane. Every inch of this place is going to be 900 women who are coming for therapy, for massages, for nails, for just, just you know, for just... Um, just a time out for themselves because for the last two months plus they've been doing everything. So you have that whole infrastructure and, and it's not just single motherhood. It's going to sleep at night with, with petrified, petrified that they might get a phone call in the middle of the night. It's an existence that is just unbearable. And then you have all the implications and repercussions of just having this manpower not around. And that adds on for the economic growth. The basic needs of for the family. Basic needs, for, forget about basic needs of the family, basic needs of the country. Right. We have 14 top managers of this foundation that are in Miluim. That affects everything. That means every single person here, or a lot of us, are taking on two or three different plates and we're, everyone's exhausted. So on top of the emotional stress and the pain and the heartbreak and just the, you're extended. It's just, it's not fun. And it's been really, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very challenging place for this country to be in. We don't know how to do sustained war. Right. We don't know. We're in its longest practically. Exactly. We don't know how to do this. And you're worried, uh, you, what you wish for, for, for everyone to come back, it, it's, you question whether or not it's premature or not. So you don't know what you're even wishing for. You're wishing for Nitzachon, wishing for victory, wishing for the hostages to be returned. We're wishing that we annihilate this threat for good, but we're also not living in fantasy. We also know the, the, the sacrifices that are going to be demanded to reach those conclusions. And it's just painful. By the way, I mean, I know that this is, to you, this is nothing in the big picture, but the fact that you and your staff come up with a concept like that, I mean, this is a dream of yours to use this campus for purposes that really enhance the lives of our fellow Jews, our brothers and sisters, and look what you're doing for your sisters in this case. I'm so proud of, uh, of the staff um, just thinking of ways of bringing light and life to so many people's lives, you can be, you can easily fall prey to being anchored in depression. You can easily fall prey and being in the negative space. And I don't want to trip on other people's toes of also of helping in that despair right. world. So to use this place to to give support and to try to give a smile to some people, either the wives of today. We had a brunch for those who right. came under Operation Hug. The mothers of and fathers of. Um, and, and they they need that. So to have this campus just hustling and bustling to be able to to bring something positive during these dark days is just an absolute schut. 
and nothing that I can possibly, not that I ever wanted to imagine that the campus would be used this way, but yeah. so happy that we have the ability to, to cater to those needs. So the uncertainty of the length of the war is weighing on everybody. In addition to what you just said, in the space that people are in, I don't mean physical space, people know that, but the space that people are in um, is, is hard enough. But the uncertainty of the future has started to, to weigh on people, to say the least. Yeah, you'll feel it over the next, over the next few days. When you're here, you'll, you'll hear it in the conversations. You'll sense it on people's faces. You're a you're, you're very nuanced individual. You're very attuned to a person's, you know, emotive responses, Nahum. So you'll, you'll see it when you're talking to people of just that, that uh, we're at, and not that you were at a breaking point, because a breaking point means that we don't have tomorrow, but we've been at a breaking point for, for weeks, and there's another tomorrow. And you go to sleep, and, and, and you, you wake up with a pit in your stomach, fearful to open up your phone and you know that you're going to see the gorgeous face and the gorgeous name and this morning was a kid from Beit Shemesh right parents are realtors people know them and then yesterday was another beautiful soul and it just it just you know Mayor Weingarten of blessed memory and I would always point out what you're saying that they always take the best and brightest of our of our you know generation the generation that's in the IDF and the reality is that you see it. We all see it. We're all experiencing it. We, we, the reason they take the best and the brightest is really the majority, if not all of them, are the best and the brightest. It's unbelievable the spirit that the army has, the incredible commitment that the army has, the love, the chesed, the incredible outreach. And I don't mean religious outreach. I mean outreach that people in this country have for others is remarkable. The way the enemy takes, takes their lack of care for others to the extreme, we take care for others to the other extreme it's just incredible and that's why we always feel like we lose the best and the brightest because everybody kim at is in that category yeah we're a beautiful nation the yeah. beautiful people did you hear my uh, hanukkah vart what's your hanukkah vart and by the way i'm giving you permission i know you like to relate um I like to steal the Torah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know you like to, to that, steal the Torah. I, I, like, I, I know. You, I know that even outside of Parsha Shlach, you like to tell your family a nice Torah thought at the Shabbos table every Shabbat, at least. So one every course. So we do next courses. year. So next year, you're going to say to your family, "Thank God, mm. Nahum Siegel, on this Shabbos Hanukkah, I'm able to quote him." Because he told me the following. Again, I don't remember things. So Ooh, just I'll, I'll remind you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, last week we were saying, Rabim biad ma'atim, Tameim biad tahorim, Rishayim biad tzadikim. And then we say, Zaydim biad oske tarasecha. Now, come on. Why on earth do we have to say oske tarasecha? We just said tahorim, we said tzadikim. Uh, doesn't that include, the, isn't oske tarasecha in the category? And the answer is that when you're fighting a war, like the Maccabim did, or our Maccabees of today are doing, a lot of people who have nothing to do with Jewish ritual become Oske Torah Techa. And we see it. Tzitzis, Tfilin, Hadlakat Neirot, Hafrashas Chala, and name the ritual that has, that, you know, the ritual of the day that has gone ahead and really uh, you know, captured the hearts of so many of the young and older people in the in the country here, and now everyone make a note. You're gonna Arab really Hanukkah. You're gonna call and me. now everyone is a an osek betorata. Everyone is. Well, there's a, consciousness of of what we're fighting for, right? But I didn't know we had it in uh, us. 
I didn't know we had this. If we didn't have it in us, I would fear for our future no, as a nation. No, no. You have I, to be I, fair I, to what I'm saying because the ex- existential element is always there, and you expect the young people to take on the but test. It's truly to, beautiful to, to see that just but scratch that the are, surface. Yeah, that they are fighting literally for our heritage, tradition, yeah. ritual, and everything that the Jewish people stand for. It's unbelievable. And by the way, their incredible commitment has had an unbelievable ripple effect throughout the entire Jewish world. Mm-hmm. You have Jewish actors and comedians who are making it a point to show the world that they also have this connection to yes. the land and they also feel connected to Jewish tradition. And I've never been so Jewy before yeah. until True. all this. It's remarkable. It, it, the whole thing is incredible. Anyway, that's, uh, that's your Oske Tarasecha. Beautiful. I just hope that we're able to, please God, when this is all over very soon, that we, we sustain the goodness that we found the commonality between us and the beauty of the commonality that we have, and also the anchoring that we found within our spiritual roots. Right. Well, the right, the right political leader can make that happen, if that person exists. The, the right, right political person. leadership, the right communal leadership, the right media chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be adjusted. <laughs> what did Rabbi Fass or Josh or Yehoshua, depending on your preference, what did he think as he was watching from here what was going on at the congressional hearings with the presidents of universities in the United States? I, I wasn't shocked. Like people walking around in the office and... and Did you hear? And, and I've, been, I've been part of this small little committee that has been giving updates to the government, to the Israeli government for the last three, four years, tracking... Um, real anti-Semitism on campus. Specifically uh, United States colleges. Specifically wow. United States colleges. There are a few individuals that are Mishugaladavar that I've really fixed on this issue and they've been tracking it. Tracking it and with, with snippets and presenting it to committees and uh, somehow I got involved. Not that I'm actively involved, somehow <laughs> right. I'm passively involved, but I've been seeing... You're on the stationary. <laughs> yeah, but no, no what... what, what I, what took me, what impacted me the most was the, the lack of even trying to wrap the, the or shield the anti-Semitism. Right. But we're talking about very intelligent individuals who are very articulate, spin it at least, at least feign Show impartiality. Something. <laughs> But the, the bla- just the fact that we live in a world, in an atmosphere that you can feel that you're immune and that you have immunity to express yourself that way is, is scary. That was, for me, very scary. You can... You know. No, I get it. I mean, the question is how much worse is it going to get? I'm, I, I'm not talking about anti-Semitism. How much worse is it going to get? How much is that... No, How much I, uh, is that going to get what you just said? Well, and, and then Harvard released that statistic, that poll a week and a half ago. That's also petrifying. 51% of, uh, of 18 to 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds right. felt that uh, Israel should just be taken Not over exist. by Hamas. Right. Not exist anymore. What's going on here? When Nefesh Benefesh um, decided to remind the American Jewish community that they're around, right? Obviously, the decision you were involved with, obviously. Mm-hmm. That was a one-week effort? Or it's, no. This, it's a continuous we're gonna effort We're going to do a now. series. 
They could, oh, so not necessarily weekly, but a series yeah, of, of... another one's coming out next week. With a different message or a different approach or... or we're going to repeat that first message and then start. Add to it, you mean? Maybe. Uh-huh. Interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about it off the air before it goes into papers. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know who you may have to put in the Aliyah Hall of Fame? Nachum Siegel. No. The president of Harvard. Because it's possible, even though we don't like doing that in this building, talking about moving to Israel for, God forbid, negative reasons. But, but you know, if you're going to, I know you hate when I do this, but. It's all good. No. Let's move on. <laughs> so I think I've covered three of the areas I wanted to discuss with you. The current situation here, the terrible pain that our brothers and sisters are going through on too regular of a basis as we lose our soldiers in battle, and the anti-Semitism that's in the United States of America. You, you wanted to add something? I just wanted to ask for my fast. The last time, I think it was the last time you were here, you discussed um, the numbers of, of people making applications and stuff like that. Right. And there was one specific group that we talked about, which was American students. So in, in light of what Nahum just brought up, with the president of Harvard and the congressional hearings, are you seeing an increase in interest from American students of either making Aliyah or at least a Studying oh, here. going to college in Israel. That's a good there idea. There is a good idea. an increase, but not, not to a point that if we sat and rest in our laurels that you will have a, a real dynamic shift. Um, I, I have a proposal on my desk. I'm meeting with a couple of foundations over the next week or two about really marketing the concept, uh, a three-prong, marketing, just having students aware that they're top of the field universities here, that the, some of them are ranked that's, top five, top ten in certain fields. That's a good idea. Because there are, I think, 116,000 self, self-described affiliated you know, Jewish students right. in college campuses across North America. Um, so 90% of them don't even know that this yeah. is available. It goes way beyond Technion, folks. Yeah, 90% <laughs> don't even know, A, what's available. They don't know the tuition rate. They don't know the ranking of the university. Right. So number one is a marketing campaign, making sure that students know what's available. Number two is working with the campuses here to almost have like an affirmative action of making sure that there's slots available for, for, for Anglo students. And making sure that some of the classes might be done in English so that mid-course, mid-field people can transfer. If you're a sophomore, junior, it's going to be very hard to move and to continue right. in that coursework so into, in a different language. So if we can create what I'm trying to, what I'm dreaming of is go to different universities and ask them what specialty can they guarantee that they can do a coursework in English. And then we can go to the States and say, okay, we have 15 different universities. They're doing biochem, they're doing engineering, they're doing physics, they're doing this. And then they grab 30, 40, 50 students, dirt cheap tuition, and then you can help four or 5,000 students a year just come. Then you have to work with the government of Israel to say, could you give them the same discounts if they don't make Aliyah? Right. And use this as an Aliyah promotion, right. or not even Aliyah promotion, right. as a pikuach nefesh, right. or just being nice to our Jewish brethren <laughs> so they don't have to deal with anti-Semitism on <laughs> campus. So those are the three-pronged <laughs> approaches that I need to accomplish over the next few days. Which leads to my next question. Um, 
it's got to be hard to try to push these initiatives when you have a tenuous government of Israel. You know, they're, 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 one has to say, even with the unity government, that the, 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 this is not a stable government. I mean, one has to admit that, right? Of course. Okay, with that in mind, is it possible to, to take these initiatives to any significant step, to any significant degree when, again, you know... It depends, every- it depends which level of government. It depends on who will have continuity, which some professional staff stays on. Within each different ministry, there's different professional staff that is constant. And some of it's achievable and accomplishable, even if you don't have a government. Right. It just makes more of a burden on on the public-private synergetic relationship, <laughs> which will be destroyed every single time you have elections. <laughs> but but you have to you have to rely a lot on on philanthropy, and and do it specifically or episodically with each university, and not do something on a national level, right. which is challenging, but. It's doable, and and the universities, a lot of universities, want to do it, and are eager to help, which is good to hear. It's very good to hear. And again, like I jokingly say, it's a lot more than just the technion, and people need to know that, parents and students, uh, in, in any field, whether it's medicine yeah, yeah, or right. fashion or engineering or or medical, we're top or Judaic studies or Judaic studies. We're topped. We have a bunch of uh, degrees that are in the top 10 There's in the world. There's qualified people in this country. Yeah, who knew? Say the least. Um, you have a lot of friends in government. How are they handling all this? I'm talking about the last 75 days. How they I don't envy them? anyone in government right now. Right, that's what I was I say. Every single time I talk to anyone of my friends in government, I, I, I don't envy. It, it's, it's living in hell. And, and I say straight to some because of them. Because no decision's a good decision. Every decision is horrible. Right. Every decision is horrible. I can't even think... Of the calculated risks, the calculated decisions, the, the every decision is just fraught. Well, yeah. it, it, it's yeah. the, everything is. Right. It's all life and death decisions. Trading hostages for terrorists, um, attacking with sensitivity to international pressure of 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 concern for the enemy civilians versus your own soldiers, uh, decisions of walking into a building and not walking in. It's just. It's just, it's just, um, some of them are capable of this and some of them are thrust into the position. Some of them are, are rising to attention, uh, to, to the, to the level of competency. And some of them are, it's just, it's weighing on them. Mazal Tov, I was on an Aliyah flight today. Mazal Tov to you. That's um, it. No, I forgot. No, no. Oh, I forgot the balloons. You made Aliyah this not, morning. Not my Aliyah flight. I was on another Aliyah oh. flight today. Mm. Uh, meaning I've done that in the past and today... I get off the plane and notice Nefesh, Nefesh staff members, so quite obviously it was an Aliyah flight. There are people still coming. Yes. And then when I eventually got through Meches with my four massive orange duffel bags. Oh, what, 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 what did you say? Duffel bag? Okay, go on. When I finally got through, <laughs> I, you know the first scene when you walk out of those doors, if there are people who are making Aliyah, there'll be people there with balloons and you know celebratory apparatus, as we call it. <laughs> And, uh, and sure enough, there they were, greeting the new old... I think there were two. I think there were two. I saw two little groups, you know, forming of people who have uh, obviously made the commitment to move to Israel now. I mean, we're talking Next about... Next week, there are 300 no. people making Aliyah. Wow. Not on flying. There, there are 50 people coming in one day, and 250 are changing status in Misrata Pim with us. 
Three hundred people next to me. Wonder what the average age of two fifty are. Any idea? I can find out. Are yeah. we talking about twenty five? We're talking about forty. What would the na- what would a reasonable average age be for those two hundred and fifty? I can run and find out. No, no you don't. <laughs> have to, you don't have to do that. I have no idea. I can text. No, but you have plenty of experience in this. I don't throw out numbers if I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wow, boy, I don't do it. Wow. If I can figure out. That's the last I time I call him, Josh. <laughs> 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 oh, Rabbi Fass, I crack myself up sometimes. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, today, yesterday, when was it that you said a select group, a distinguished group made, uh, what, do you, what do you call Aliyah when you're here in the country? Guided. Guided Aliyah. Was it triplets? Was it, what was it? What was it? What happened? Quadruplets. Quadruplets. There were four... Brothers and sisters. Bro- sisters. Four, four sisters. girls? Four girls. Wait a second. LA. I'm a father of multiples. You're telling me there's a dad out there that had four daughters at once? Yeah, it's remarkable. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, As a father of five, <laughs> he's one lucky man. That, you hear that, girls? That, that he's one lucky man. That is obvious, Rabbi Fess. I, mm-hmm. I hope you didn't take anything away from how I reacted. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But, uh, but still, that is pretty remarkable to, um, wow, to have four daughters at once. Whew. I thought having two sons and a daughter in one day was something. Whew. Anyway, we're about to get an answer, it seems. Or fast is posing the question. And we're going to see here what the story is. Mm. Seems to be a secret discussion I going know. on. Uh, what do they call this? Let's a, listen What do they call this? A sidebar, if I'm not mistaken? That's what they call this? Oh, here comes the cone of a silence. A sidebar, if I'm not mistaken? I'm back. Yes. yes. Just, wow. just, just ask for the stats. Oh, you and I'll get the stats. Well, here we are. We're in Jerusalem. And in your temporary... Soon to be, say it, come on. Oh, soon to be permanent is right, but, but, but there's a condition attached to that. You said no permanence until the building expands, right? Or am I wrong about that? No. We, there you we, didn't say that? I didn't say that. I, I'm, I'm conver- you know, we I'm, have conversations that he and I both don't remember. <laughs> it's amazing. It's <laughs> a big problem, guys. So this is not a condition. <laughs> I have a room upstairs, the server room, or he's going to kill me, your is going to kill me, but that area... We're putting everything on the cloud. So all of our major oh, servers. Server. I thought you meant like when they serve lunch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're serve. serve. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we may have an answer here, Rabbi Fass. What do we got? What's the question? What's the answer? <laughs> the suspense is killing me. I can see that. I'll tell you, of all the questions I've asked in my career, this is not exactly the best one, I guess. <laughs> this might be a good time to discuss officially changing the way you call him. Why? He says we could use anyone we want. Yeah, sure is better than Josh. Yeah. Thank you. This is you what know, we're talking about. You know that in the Mayor Weingarten Nachum Siegel relationship, I was Yoshua. He was Kalev. I was Yoshua. Maybe that's and, why. And I mine and Egal's relationship. It's I'm Nachum. Maybe that's why I hesitate <laughs> to do it. Well, maybe. Because I think I'm Joshua. It's confusing you. Could, not confusing, just some you, sensitive. You have a son, Joshua. And I have a son, Joshua. Very interesting. Anyway. Yes, you were said. Did you get an answer? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> what were we up to here? I was, oh, yeah. So I was I making the point. We, we come to Israel. I, it's the third trip. So you start to ask yourself, you know, is this, is this really necessary, a good idea? And God has a way of communicating with me. It's the only trip of these three I remember where from the plane to the hotel, I saw or heard from multiple people in this country how much it's appreciated. Apparently, you don't have to be Jerry Seinfeld to make an impact on this country. A regular person whether he's got a radio show, 
whether he's a rabbi of the community, whether he's just somebody who's a balabas in a shul living in New York, New Jersey, or any of the other 48 states. You could show up here and actually make a difference and show people you care. Yeah, just being here. Just your presence means that um, exactly. you stand, stand with us. That's what we're trying to prove. And we stand with you as one family. That's what we're trying to prove. <laughs> anyway, uh, what can I say? Didn't sleep on the plane. You know what happens when you don't sleep on the plane? <laughs> Do we know what, what exactly you happens? Get, Do we you know get excessively I emotional? I'm falling asleep. You know what frustrates me I'm about Rabbi Fass? You, you know what frustrates me about so Rabbi Fass? What? Now I'm Rabbi Fass, so this is going to be a doozy. <laughs> we sit on a flight together. And it's some of the best moments of my life. I love schmoozing with him. And when we're on a plane together and he has time to actually schmooze, it's fantastic. And then there's an hour left to the flight. And he says, okay, I'm going to go to sleep now. I go, what? What are you talking about? And then he's, I think I've done this to you before. I've mentioned this to you before. It frustrates me terribly. Then what? That you're able to go and and say to yourself, I'm going to go sleep for an hour and you actually get it done. I don't get it done. I fake it. Oh, so you have had plenty of these one (gasps) o'clock flights where you didn't sleep the entire day? Yeah. Oh. And at a moment ago, I thought you were a sleep hero. Holy no, I, I, I have the worst sleep habits. In general or just on planes? It reminds In general. Me, it reminds generally. me of a story that once happened with Avi Levine. Do you remember the story you got that happened with Avi Levine? Avi Levine? Yeah, on, a, on a flight? On a flight. I'm what with happened Avi with Avi Levine? Levine? What happened <laughs> was very simple. What happened was I begged him to actually co-host <laughs> the opening of the show with me that we were doing from the plane. Thought it would be great, old friends after all. But you were scared that he was going to outshine no. you. Are you kidding me? Not <laughs> because scared he is at all. one of the most talented individuals. It was in the an world. open invitation, which, by the way, is still open. But whatever. he found every excuse imaginable to avoid me on a plane. You know how hard it is to avoid someone on a plane? <laughs> You're trapped in a tube, <laughs> and, he, and he was able to avoid me on a plane. Pretty remarkable. It looks like the tote board. Has been uh, checked and the answer is in. Here we go, folks. The question, well, let me remind everybody what the question was since it was moments ago. Next week, the, a couple hundred people making Aliyah guided, changing their status right. here in Israel. So next week, 250 people. So, yeah. Right? 250? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 250. What's the real number? Tell me, New. What's the real? Is it 200? 250? Yeah. She obviously washed. <laughs> She's about to eat sandwich. <laughs> Go on. Continue. We're in the middle of this. Excuse suspense. me. Give me a second here, all right? You there want is... to suck on one of your candies? <laughs> I call oh, them. Oh, I call oh, them. Oh, I call forget, them about, the whole, oh. forget about the Avi Levine yeah. controversy. Candygate. Candygate, I, man. I have very bad news for you. Stacey Siegel's going to be here next week, and Candygate is going to reopen the whole thing. The Nachum Siegel Frisbee. The whole thing Go is on. going to, to reopen. Anyway. <laughs> The question was, there are two, this is remarkable to me. This is absolutely remarkable to me. 250 people, I'm assuming at a very young age, I could be wrong, that's why I asked, have made a commitment to change their status and to actually be owners of Israeli passports. Uh, Israeli, not passports, what's the word I'm looking for? What's that? How do you say it in English? Certificate of, of citizenship. What? citizenship. Certificate of citizenship. See, the, uh, Avi Levine. Avi came in handy. Thank uh, God. <laughs> a certificate of citizenship for the state of Israel, something that our ancestors dreamt about, dreamt about for God knows how long that there'd be a state and you'd be able to be a citizen of that state. 250 in one week are making this commitment. One day. 
No, but, week. but no, it's in no, one it's week. week. Next week. Ah, week. days. I asked the following question, <laughs> Rabbi Fast, because you know if this answer is where I think it is, then it's just going to provide a tremendous amount of inspiration for this audience. I said, "What is the average age?" Just which my question. What is the average age of the two hundred and fifty people who are making guided aliyah who are changing their status next week? Ninety-seven. <laughs> I don't believe it. The average sure. age? That's <laughs> remarkable. What is the average age? Tell me. In December, the average age of those who are changing their status is what What were you thinking? Well, I said 25. Is that way 23. too? 23. <gasps> average of the year. There are around 1,200 people that change their status in Israel every single year. The average age is. Drumroll, you go. We have one. Oh, we have one. Oh, oh no, no, forget about it. I don't know. <laughs> no, what are you talking no, no, no. Rabbi Fast, now you have to wait now a you second. Have to wait a second. Got, you can do if that. You asked for it. You got a drum it's roll. Like a real show studio. off. Oh, I can't it's believe not, it. It's not. If it really takes you five roll. minutes, oh, then, a, it's, then it's more not a, worth it. It's more of a rib shot. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm not going to. I'm not continuing. What are you crazy? No, not after that. This is amazing. It's not a punchline. 23? No, it's 28 average for the year. That, what well, does that, that say? Makes sense. That's makes sense. That's Basically, it means I'm a nobody. I failed. <laughs> I failed. Yeah, that's the takeaway. That, that's, the, that's the takeaway <laughs> of this statistical It's all about you. <laughs> Do you know that if I was not inspired <laughs> by the 23-year-old or the 28-year-old, is that I'm a failure? I want to tell you something. <laughs> and on that note, the I campaign wanna, is open for another two weeks, my friends. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. If I became one of those guided Aliyah people, do you know the average age would go up to about 45? <laughs> <laughs> that's how much yes, of a, that's a loser I am. Uh, no, it's only saying how damning your math skills are. <laughs> uh, only if five people change status, it is Bud Bowl. You get, 1,200 are. You get I don't think point. you'll make it even an impact. You got my point. Uh, not really. No, you don't get your point. <laughs> the point is... You feel bad you right. that you could have jumped on that bandwagon. You you feel bad that... But you know what? You hear the, here comes the, the massaging... Know? The massaging. Do you know what the lone the massaging so, is you know that, what, the what lone, you've done? Do you know, no, stop that. Do you know what the lone soldier... <laughs> you can do it to me. Do you know what the lone soldier mom said on the air this morning? What did she say? She said if there was a nefesh benefesh, when she was her son's age, she would have made Aliyah. And joined the army. And joined the army. Love it. He, according to her, he... One second. He, according to her... <laughs> Rabbi. Rabbi. Oh he, according to her, is living her dream. Beautiful. How insane is that? That is beautiful. That's the takeaway. Of course, that's the takeaway. You know, I was just joking around. No, the takeaway is of course that Nefesh, because Nefesh of is here. Of course, so it's not about yeah, you. you. Thank you for explaining and that. And if I'm not mistaken, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Avi wanted to add something to that. You want yeah, to add? Avi, Avi, go, ahead. go right ahead, sir. What was it? <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> uh, here we go. It was a How did he just disappear? It was a word or two only. What was it? it was a... Right on. Right on. There he goes. In other words, he gets the inspiration. <laughs> That's amazing. What happened was what? there was a drum roll, and I replaced it with Modati. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I should have replaced one when, of the ones I don't need. Went in the middle of, a, <laughs> of an interview. A person says, like, Modati. Yeah. No, the song. I the get song, it. I get it. I get it. He forgets his days when he was up at no. 6 in the morning to did the jam in the air. I know what you were talking I about. Kidding <laughs> anyway, Rashi, Robert, <laughs> 
This is exactly what's happening in Israel. What's the, is this a record, by the way? We, for go, we go from laughter to sadness. We go from sharing wonderful times together and sometimes grieving together. And that seems to be the extremes that the Jewish people are going through right now, especially here in Israel, of course, as you described. Look, just look at this conversation. We went from the depths of despair to thank God we're able to give everybody a little bit of a laugh out there. Pretty remarkable. That's what the story of the Jewish people is all about. Right? That's the takeaway of this conversation. Isn't that the story that you've always been told? That's the story of the Jewish people. The pendulum swings, Rabbi Fass. Doesn't it, Josh? Am I right, Joshua? <laughs> <laughs> when, when can I leave? <laughs> By the way... Could you check? Because because the, usually people panic that you haven't picked up your phone for forty five minutes. Now I already told oh. all those who call me Josh that I will that I will be on. You spoiled you. the whole thing. Every time you're on, that could have been such a great shtick. All right, so you're, not, so you're not made for radio. It's okay. Uh, anyway, no, unfortunately, because because I'm a failure. That's my that's my takeaway. Failure at radio. First of all, room shut. Um, when, when am I here next week? When you're here in Nefesh? Thursday, I think. Tuesday. Oh, yeah, look what you it's did for to Thursday. Me. They're all they're all texting him. His parents. But <laughs> <laughs> did you change your name? <laughs> did they seriously write that? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Rabbi Avi wrote. I feel Avi. bad for the listeners because they don't know what's happening here. Oh, they get it. Anybody oh, who's been following it? for the last forty five minutes gets it. Oh, okay. It all starts with the name. It all starts with the name. You know what they say about the Jews in Egypt, right? They didn't change their name, right? Isn't that one of is that yeah. one of our traditions? Right. Yeah. They didn't change their name. Even though you, he's got story three, starts he, with one Yosef. He, 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 he has three okay. names. He has three so, names in one break interview. That <laughs> he has three names in one interview. Say it again. It starts with Yosef. Yeah. It starts with Yosef, and that starts off with Safra Padeh, with changing his name. But it's okay. We're not gonna we're not gonna <laughs> get me down <laughs> that <laughs> measure. Who are we to argue with every Torah <laughs> book in the world? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's Paro did that. That's right. right. Can can we make sure that you're here next week, when when we when we come to this temporary studio? I think it's Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Please join right. us. Tuesday. Join us. Is it Tuesday? I think so. Join us Tuesday. I have a special guest that I'm going to be bringing in. Uh, you'll take the opportunity. What? No. <laughs> what's, what's happening? You'll, well, you'll take the opportunity to to say some nice things about this radio show. And the fact that it's bridging the gap between Israel and the diaspora. Okay. In as best a way as we can. Hey, we're trying our, we're trying our best. Oh, and I forgot that you were you forget everything. I really should write Just that. write me whatever I'm supposed to say about you next week. I'll type it out, please. Someone type it. I think Avi's on the case already. Look at this. The man's so diligent. It's amazing. Look what he's doing. It's incredible, I'll tell you. Anyway, that's it. I've been Rabbi Fass. When you come on to say something. the takeaway that I got from this is the reason that he made Aliyah. Who's the he? Who's the he with the capital H, Rabbi Fass? <laughs> he made Aliyah so he can get a nap on Shabbos afternoon because he was giving all the shiurim <laughs> in Boca. And I now he can tell sleep you. on Shabbos afternoon. that, how you went without a nap Shabbos afternoon. Oh. It's a killer. Ask. Did you go to sleep early Saturday night? No. <laughs> no. One That's of, my remedy when I don't sleep Shabbos after, afternoon. After I left the rabbinate, I was, oh. I, 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 like I reconnected to Shabbos. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because your heart is. We've had this conversation. No, we've had a Shabbos. 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 Most rabbis, they say it's, and it's. Some people enjoy it. They live on that, 
on that dynamic and that frenzy and that Avi Levine, who's <laughs> our guest speaker here tonight. He's one of those. Oh, he's one of those people that he loves, loves to work on Shabbos. Yeah, interesting. Dangerous. Interesting. Let's not spread that word around, okay? Please, <laughs> uh, please don't. I thank you for giving me a smile. We always, every time. I always start in a massive depressive state, and and I rightfully so. And I, I was and also I, depressed, and I leave this this temporary studio of yours. Tell the audience what I said to you when you asked how my flight was. Or you don't remember that either. <laughs> I, I got What did I say to you? You said, Nahum, how was the flight? And my answer was? Along the lines of any flight, even if it had one seat. You remember. Oh, you remember. You remember. That's the line. Any would, flight, even if there was only one seat on the plane, would be, would be uncomfortable. Ever so enjoyable. <laughs> and then, and then I, you get into a story about your dad. and, right. and, and, and So my father used to... You know, I don't want to say yell. That wouldn't be appropriate. My father used to... Um, admonish. Admonish my, me. And he would say that they would travel the Atlantic with single-engine planes, hoping that they would actually make it. And I'm sitting complaining about the legroom and the food. Yeah. You didn't tell him the story about our father being in the plane that had a hole in it. Right. Had a hole in the I've top heard of this, the plane. I've heard this. Yeah. We can save it next week for the listeners. Because <laughs> I have to go to a meeting. <laughs> Short version of the story, that accident he survived. Yeah, Baruch, Baruch Hashem. All right, anyway. <laughs> anyway, Rabbi Fass, all I can say is you're a brother to me, Rabbi. You are a brother to me. And Sorry, you go. And to reunite with... with uh, to reunite, Josh! <laughs> and to reunite with my brother in the holy city of Jerusalem is always an incredible delight. Thank Love you. you, too. You're the best. You are the best. The Jewish people are lucky to have you. Greatest Jew of the 20th and 21st century. He wants to say arguably. I'll add arguably. He is Rabbi Yoshua Josh Vass, the co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh. More coming up. You're listening to a, a Wednesday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Tapestry of ages, history unfolds. One people, the unlikeliest of stories ever told. Tiniest of nations, casting light into the dark. Empires have risen, empires they fall. They wield their might against us, but we move on through it all. A lighthouse in the storm.
Simcoliner wrapping it up for us. Make sure to be tuned in tomorrow right here at JMNAM. We'll be at the Inbal Hotel. Jonathan Pollard's going to be our guest 8 o'clock tomorrow. Make sure to be tuned in. Support our um, efforts here. What do they do to support our efforts? People go to fjbunity.org, please. fjbunity.org. Our 40th anniversary campaign, as it's now known. 
Which, by the way, was always noticed. That. <laughs> oh, was it? I, yeah. <laughs> Nobody tells me anything. I know. <laughs> oh, by the way, our friends at the Young Israel Talmatoro Flatbush. Yes. Have a Saturday night lecture series this coming Saturday night. It continues. 8.15 on the history of the Manhattan and Brooklyn Erevin. Oh, wow. The speaker, Rabbi Adam Mintz. Whoa, Rabbi Mintz. That's happening this coming Saturday night at the Young Israel Tomatoro Flappos, 1305 Coney Island Avenue, Avenue, Zion J in Brooklyn, New York. Rabbi Commander Avi Adam Mintz. That is correct. He's a Washington <laughs> Commander. Although I think, he, I think he's still a Redskin fan, but whatever. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Our <laughs> <laughs> brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, a big thank you to Avi Levine. Could I possibly have done this show without him? Obviously. And to uh, Yigal Siegel and the others who actually did play a role <laughs> in our show today. Much appreciated. And, of course, to all of our guests, uh, Rabbi Teller, uh, Rabbi Fass, um, our, uh, I just don't recall. Oh, yes. From the Libin family, thank you very much. Um, anyway, great to hear from uh, all of our guests today here at JM in the AM. Tomorrow we're back from the Inbal Hotel. Start at 6 a.m. Meet us here. Till then, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.